Hey guys, welcome to Content Candy's new, new show. It's kind of an old show. It's uh, Cinema Bias with myself, Video Drew, and Alex Mack. Please enjoy. Check us out wherever you can find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, what have you. Like and rate and leave a review. That's like a thing you can do on podcasts. And make sure to also check out patreon.com backslash video drew to find out ways that you can support this channel, which is growing. Okay, end of thing. So I've been looking at this map for like three days and it says that I'm supposed to be at the river at uh you you're sure you know how to read this map. I know how to read the map. Heather. Lawn. We've we've been here for a while. And no. I feel like you keep looking at the map. Well, yeah, well the map is actually a Medicare prescription coverage plan, so I could see how that could not be helpful. <laughs> oh my gosh, not- guys, you guys are so unprofessional. I yeah. I can't do this. I need to leave. I need to leave. I'm at work tomorrow. I need to go to work. My girlfriend is expecting me. I. This is so unprofessional, Drew. Lon, I don't know how you're here right now. I'm not sure either of you knows how to use a compass. Oh, well, la-dee-da. Mister, I can use a compass. You know what? Drew has already admitted to me that she does not know how to use it. Okay, you know what? The compass thing... Well, I, I while we're sharing secrets, okay, I know for a fact that you took us in this direction, and we, we just wound up here the same way. How can you explain that, Mr. Uh, I know how I, to read a compass? I explain it by saying I'm about to create something that has never been seen before, but will be mimicked a million times throughout the next two centuries. And by centuries, I mean decades, which is the found footage horror film. Here's a compass. You tell me which way it's up. <laughs> Clearly a tape. Okay, guys, it's Cinema Bias, and we are talking about the Blair Project. Remember that? Yeah. Remember him? Remember him? Remember the Blair Witch? I remember. I remember. <laughs> who could forget? Hey, guys, hey, everyone who's joining us. Uh, Lon, who's somehow in the fucking comments. Uh, Adelia. Back and forth, man. Adelia's here. We got uh, the Watcher. That's creepy. See, is, is he involved in this somehow? We have Adam Witt, who's like become a big fan of this show. I love it. Dear ah. says, I'm going to be able to sleep tonight. Yep, this one not. Vernon's here. Uh, let's see. Everyone's saying hi. Guys, we have the thing open. So you could like give us uh, money by going to streamlabs.com video drew. There's a new thing we've started where we start incentivizing people for yeah. paying us. Like, <laughs> big fans. We've done things where I take shots or rock rifle off things that I own. But at this well, point, rifle through things you own. It's a little bit of both. I like to rifle through things that I own. Alex is really good at being the hype man for this. Well, what uh, are we doing tonight? We haven't told him what tonight's plan oh, is. Oh, I know tonight's I plan is. Fill me in. So I have these digital dolls. I'm not going to raffle them off because they were given to me by... Um, yeah, you you don't want to... No, 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 no. These are, but I will. I will send you something creepy in the mail. It might not be... Uh, this, but it might be a tooth and a bloody bag. So, you know? Wow. Yeah. So get those donations in <laughs> if you want a bloody tooth. Yeah. <laughs> one of or something teeth. along those lines. Are you going to take one of your own teeth out and send it to I a I have friend? potions. 
potions? Are you gonna send them a potion instead of it a toothpaste? It stink. I honestly, it's one of those smells that's like a skunk where once you've smelled it, it's like forever in your nostril. Like I feel like I can still smell that potion. Yeah, it's it's broken on you. Yeah, there's like a little bit of potion just that's gonna forever be right here. Boom. So anyway, guys, wait, wait, you guys, we're talking about a movie that Cinema Bias, by the way. It's a show that uh, is hosted by me and Alex at Alex, Alex Mack, and sometimes Lon, who is just here. I stop by now. You stop by now and then. It's a show where we try to force each other to go outside of our comfort zones and talk about movies that you know we miss for some reason or another, and why we've missed them. So this week happens to be the Blair Witch Project. Which, hmm, can you guess who hasn't seen the Blair Witch Project out of the three of us? It's Lon. Do, do, it's Lon. It's guys. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to break it to y'all, but it's Lon. Lon has never seen the Blair Witch Project. I don't know. I don't know. As as a movie critic, uh, I don't know how Lon has gone this far in his adult life without seeing Blair Witch Project. You know, Lon, tell us why. Think about Lon Harris in the '90s. Was such a player. Was so making so many deals happen. You mean you were in that Robert Altman? I mean, like, was starring in the films of Robert Altman. Many fingers and many pies. No time for movies. It wasn't like he spent literally this entire decade just watching every movie that came out, and it's really the only thing carrying him through the schmodown. That would be ridiculous. And Bibiani was there also. Well, Viviani was there. That was in the aughts. You were uh, ixnay on the ruining your cred A. That was, that was midway through the aughts was when uh, Bibbs and I worked at a video store and watched a lot of movies standing next to one another. So I want to get into uh, my own because it's obviously not Lon who's, uh, who has not seen this movie. I want to get into our own cinema biases where we break down with guests or without, uh, what, what movies we've uh, managed to get in our blind spot. You can find them all by going to like Cinema Bias on Letterboxd. You can check that out and you can see all the movies that collectively me and Alex have not seen. So that's not giving away who's seen it and who isn't, who hasn't. But uh, then you can come on if, if, if for certain Patreons here. You can come on and discuss it with us. We do now have an email that unfortunately we got the email wrong. That was my bad. So that was my bad. It was actually Alex's bad. It was 100% my bad. I, I gave you a wrong email. So it's cinema, what is it? Cinema? cinema? Cinema Bias Pod. I actually put in the private chat up there. Cinema Bias Pod at gmail.com. You can send us uh, a little bit of a video, uh, like talking about your experiences with this movie, and we'll play it. No big deal. Or, yeah, it could be a little a video. It could be your greatest, your biggest thoughts about the movie. It could be the best this, the worst that, you know, the worst example of whatever, but also the best example of whatever, whatever it may be. It, you know, you just definitely want to get your biases and your takes on some of these movies. You definitely want to make it much more interactive for you guys. Yeah, and we want to hear about, like, you know, even what movies you'd like to see on Cinema Bias and like to bring out, you, you know, because this is a... This is a collaborative effort, you guys. Yeah. But uh, tonight, I mean, we have to do for Halloween some spooky movies. And I know that's Alex. That's not Alex's thing. So I appreciate Alex. You, I'll give you the whole month of November or December movies since you like holidays. <laughs> so I can't come on next week to do Baskin, is what you're saying. We're going to do Baskin next week. That's going to absolutely come true. But since October, it's spooky movies, which means that it's usually going to be probably uh, stuff that I know or stuff that the guest knows. But Alex, what's your bias? Why why did you miss the Blair Witch Project? 
My bias is that I this movie came out when I was nine years old, and I was not oh, watching God. horror movies at that time. Oh my God. I was born in 1990. I'm a 30-year-old woman, and this movie came out when I was very young, and I didn't start watching horror movies. So I didn't watch my first horror movie until I was like maybe 11 or 12. I saw Jeepers Creepers, and that movie scared the crap out of me. I I, that movie just creeped me the heck out. Yeah, the one with Justin Long. Yes, that Jeepers Creepers. Yes. And um, Batman. It was made by a pedophile. Mm -hmm. yeah, that doesn't That's help. True. It's yeah, it, that definitely doesn't help to adding, um, you know, uh, fuel to the fire. Um, but, but it's that as a result, for a long, long time, I didn't watch horror movies. I, and I, I kept thinking, I just, you know, unless it was like something like It or it was, you know, The Ring, you know, I, I did, I made, I took an active effort to not watch horror movies. But this is the first year in particular as a movie fan where I was like, F it, I'm going to start watching horror movies. Today, I, I've seen two horror movies in the middle of watching Suspiria right now, the directed by Dario Agento, that one. And yesterday I watched three horror movies. And so, and I'm trying, Oh, uh, let me whip out my list real quick. By the way, yeah, I think that's a really admirable and good goal. What was the first thing she said before Suspiria? Jeepers um, Creepers. No, Jeepers no, no. Creepers. Oh, the one. I'm sorry, never mind. Yeah, I, don't, I think that was it. I think it's yeah, a very so admirable goal, and I have a bunch of movies for you to watch, whether or not it's on yeah. Well, I think uh, to me, horror movies are, it's really like roller coasters. Like when you've mm -hmm. never been on a roller coaster, they're super intimidating. Or I was super intimidated yeah. as a kid. I thought it seemed really scary. But all you've got to do, it's just like breaking the seal. You go on mm -hmm. one scary looking roller coaster and have a great time. And then you're like, oh, I love that. And you're never scared again. Part. And mm -hmm. I will say, Alex, the movies you seem to have started with are the scariest movies. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel yeah. like once you've <laughs> it, sort of done it a few times, you're just like, oh, it is just a movie. It's all in control. And if it's really gross, I can sort of look away. And, like, I feel like, uh, yeah, it, it, like right away, once you start, it, it, you get you get into it. Here's the thing that Absolutely. I've had to, learn, mm -hmm. had to learn about horror movies is that uh, they fall into different archetypes, right? And some are scarier to other people. Psychological horror is really, really scary mm. to me. Whereas slasher, ghosts, that kind of like, uh, right. you know, stuff that is actually visible and you can touch and you can hurt are not that scary to me. Stuff like psychological mm. horror, like- You really, get, and I think you and I have this in common, it's like time e existential horror. Like existential the idea horror. of being trapped somewhere- Make a bladder. Or yeah. being like going crazy slowly over a long period of time. Like that's a lot more disturbing yeah. to me than like Michael Myers or Jason Voorhees is coming for you. Yeah. Right, right. It's, it's got to be at uh, this idea of looping consciousness, almost like a black cookie from Black Mirror, which this movie actually does pretty well. And I want to get a little bit too, though. Uh, I'm going to ask you, Alex, what was your bias against seeing the Blair Witch? It just didn't come up. I, you know, I've seen a handful of my my family were not into horror movies. My mom, it was like no horror movies in the house. My mom is like very superstitious like that. She's just like I'm just not. Mm -mm. I just do not want that. I just don't want it. I just don't want to invite that horrible stuff into my house. I just don't want it. You know, and as a result, I didn't watch horror movies for a very, very long time. And, and also for a long time, I, as an adult, you know, I would avoid ho watching horror movies because I would 
I was living alone for long periods of time where my husband, he was traveling a lot for work where he would be gone for two weeks of a month. And I would be like, nope, I don't want to watch this movie while I'm in the house alone all day, all night. I don't want to do it. That's when you worship him for the first time and did not not do well. Yeah. 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 And so, I mean, as a result, I, I just actively avoided them. And so this month I've so far, I, I started, I started uh, the month, uh, I'm, since I'm trying to watch more horror movies, I watched uh, the first horror movie I watched maybe about a little over a week ago was The Lighthouse. I started with that horror oh movie and I've been. Oh, that's, that's great. That's great. That's just I super in it. love it. <laughs> Super inaccessible, though. I'm saying in like terms of like starting with like a AP class level. Yeah, it's a very weird movie. I mean, it is yeah. hard. It's definitely hard. Nobody's nobody's arguing the category, but it is like this uh -huh. weird sub sub segment of horror where it is this very like mm -hmm. psychological. psychological character driven yeah. like descent into madness. And you love American absolutely, Psycho, right? So you well, like the idea, yeah. Well, it's actually funny you say that because uh, Jonathan Carr, he's actually in the chat. He he's a one. Of, he's a good friend of mine, and he's actually he he's a real big movie fan as well. And he's putting together this like uh, horror movie kind of tournament situation. And we were going oh, through those God. movies and being and being a being an being an asshole. I was like, that's not <clears throat> technically a horror movie. <clears throat> and oh, there's like there, some challenges. <laughs> yeah, there's like some of them where I was like, that's more of a. <clears throat> thriller <clears throat> and it would be like one of the examples was um i like uh, one example was silence uh, of the lambs i you know uh, i believe that's one he puts out i'm like uh it's like i consider it a thriller but i can see why it's arguable and american psycho was on the list there's a few others where i was like that's not an american psycho not horror movie just qualified as movie. a psychological horror movie yeah. So, I mean, I can definitely, let's say, I can definitely see the argument, like, especially the, the whole scene in the basement in the dark. I was like, that is 100% horror to me. Um, you know, it's definitely just a fine line uh, as far as, you know, thriller, psychological thriller, horror. And I was, I even had a little argument with Kelsey, my girl, Kelsey, one of my good friends, Kelsey, on a call live about. <laughs> well, she's wonderful. But we talked about how she was like saying, you know, Resident Evil aren't aren't considered horror movies. And I was like, um, mm. Ooh, they are one. Yeah. And she's like, they're 100 percent thriller. And I was like, girl, we're going to fight here. They're kind of action movies, really. Action movies. Well, action horror is yeah. a bad And they clearly are horror movies because they eliminated me from the Adam Collins match in the horror category. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I consider it. Raise your it's hand if you've gotten movie. out on a, on, 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 sorry, one second. Raise your hand if you've gotten like a Resident Evil title wrong in a Schmodown like competition. Yeah, that's right. I, in fairness, Afterlife was a really good guess. That's four, and they, they had mm -hmm. five. And in fairness, uh, like, uh, what was it? Like, uh, ours was the name of a video game. Like Resident right. Evil. Yeah, you got mm -hmm. the Silent Hill. Resident Evil mix-up question. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway, yeah. the point being, uh, I think that this this movie in particular will will give you a lot of context for a, like a, just a ton of movies, and whether this is a horror movie is a great question. Yeah. So yeah, uh, well, the definition of a horror movie is like I just wanted to start off because I know I have had like since I posted that on Twitter like a while ago, I had a lot of people being like, "That's not a horror movie," and I'm I'm like, no, it's not a horror movie, but. Yeah, I mean, it's, a, you know, and there's a lot of, uh, I, there's a lot of back and forth, you know, like, 
like I said, it, between friends and everything. But when when I ever I post my the my the movies that I'm watching of the day, like I watch The Boy, um, I, I watched The Boy, The Thing Brom. for the first time, uh, Brahms. Brahms, yeah, I watched Brahms too. The Poltergeist, Doctor of uh, the Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Great. Bright Night, the uh, the the 1975 with uh, Jerry Sarandon, Bright Night. Uh, Chris Sarandon. Chris Sarandon. And Chris Sarandon, yes, thank you. Evil Ed, what's the best friend's name? Uh, something Ed? Like, oh, oh, it's really good. And uh, what's his name as the, as the ghost detective, or like the vampire hunter? Mm -hmm. It's not the other dude, it's... Uh, it's McDowell. Oh, Roddy, Roddy McDowell. McDowell yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, uh, one of the movies, uh, Jonathan Carlu, uh, sorry, Carlu said was um, Young Frankenstein is not horror. And I'm like, what? Oh, well, it's that's, horror that's comedy. It's horror comedy. Army of Darkness, what we do with shows uh, there are horror. Definitely are. Army of Darkness. Like, like 100 percent um, but he took it out and i was like oh but hands is one kevin the woods is one but let's by the way let's get down yeah, to the yeah. scene what alex can do in 60 seconds or less the part of the segment where if she gets past the people's names and what they're going to go do i'll be very impressed I'm just saying. If I don't know anyone. About what happens before uh, like this one's more summarizable than most that you guys have done. Let's okay, see. let's get down to it. Let's get down to business. Okay, it starts off with this documentary, documentary, uh, documentary, and chick lady. They're students, and they go. They're obsessed with uh, superstitions and urban legends uh, and all that good stuff. So they travel to Maine. They are tourists there to hang out, essentially, and they want to uh, They want to create a documentary on the legend behind the Blair Witch, who is a local legend there in Maine, where she haunts a forest. And they're like, screw it, let's make a documentary about this and that's what's gonna make us famous so they want to go into they want to go into the forest with their, all their nice equipment and everything they take a map someone gets lost on that map and eventually they they get lost and it, they end up like traveling nonstop for like three or four days and they get and they start freaking out they're shorting on food uh they're they're kind of going slowly insane eventually they come across a cabin they find this mysterious person and oh my gosh is someone is someone alive someone dead it's the witch whoa great job it's That's it's Marilyn. It's not so, me. Stop, stop. It, oh, it was, whatever. Come on, man. It's a <laughs> uh, except that it was one town over from me growing up. All reason why you should know. Really? Hills of Burkittsville, Maryland. Burkittsville, American. Yeah. I knew it started with an M. Yeah. Yeah, no, but uh, good job otherwise. Yeah, very good. I, I, I really think that the, the you did the meat and potatoes there, which is most of the movie actually doesn't have to do with the Blair Witch at all. It has to do with these kids getting lost in the woods and what is so terrifying about that. And what was so real, like, you know, what felt so mm -hmm. real about that. I mean, uh, we were looking into it and like the, the, the way this movie was made was pretty intense. Uh, but uh, I guess we can do that. We can uh, move over to the, let's see if we can put it in the context now. Let's see if we, sure. let's see, yeah, let's see, put in context. Okay, so this movie, this is like the perfect part for it. This movie, when it came out in 1999, came out to the very first viral marketing campaign. So there were all these websites that were like, have you seen Heather? Have you seen Mike? Like they were like, follow these clues, like the Burkittsville like 
trio has right. disappeared. There was there's little footage that you could follow. Was, this is very Internet even, 1.0. Even on IMDb, because it was easier to edit in this era, they actually listed the three actors as deceased. So if you looked up their IMDb pages, it actually said that the woman playing mm -hmm. Heather or the guy playing Josh we're dead. And the actors even did an interview where they were like, yeah, people called our parents and were like, oh my God, I saw the news about Josh. I'm so sorry. And they're like, no, no, it's just a movie. It's just, he's just dead in this movie. It's not and, really dead. and what's crazy yeah. is you gotta think about that. You know, we talk about like how this was the birth of the found footage film and whether or not you like it, whether or not you think it's uh, like, you know, cheesy or corny goes on too long. One has to say that like, this really began something like this is because this is because of this movie. There are every single found footage film. There's paranormal right. activity. And, yeah, yeah, I mean, even beyond that genre, we've so given ourselves over now to this idea that you market the movie by pretending that it's real. Like, elements mm -hmm. of the movie exist in our world. And, like, creating this larger shared fictional universe around your movies is taken over basically all filmmaking at this point. Yeah. Uh, and, and, I and think, the shaky cam and the yeah. whole thing. And so this is like the origin point for a whole lot of that idea of like the way to sell the movie is it's not just a movie. It's this thing you have to know about to understand this whole other world of content. And it's almost like an alternate reality game in that way. Like you have to, you have to suspend your disbelief. You have to suspend. This movie does it pretty good, but you have to suspend the idea that why are these people shooting what they're shooting? Why are we seeing certain scenes right. when, like, you were playing this really well last night? Yeah, well, I, I, I made, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just do it. I, I, I made a, I made a YouTube show called uh, Frankenstein MD. Search for it; it's on PBS Digital Studios. Wow, I didn't say do a plug. And uh, we, it was done in this kind of style. Like you were, you were seeing a daily vlog made by I, we, we gender swapped it. So Victoria Frankenstein, and she's walking you through her experiment day to day. And so it's sort of the same challenges of found footage movie, which is you can't just shoot something because it goes in the movie next or because this is the story. You have to think about, well, why would the people in the movie be shooting this? Like right. they can't turn on their camera without there being a logical reason why Josh or Heather or Mike picked up the camera and started filming. Right, so, so like they'd be out of batteries after a while. So why are they shooting mm -hmm. specific scenes? Right. Like it's a very purposeful, like what what are they doing? Right, because like you're making Suspiria and it's just like, well, this is the scene where the witches kill that lady. So we film it and put it in our movie. But this isn't being made by an omniscient director. This, what we're seeing is all being made by Heather, Mike and Josh as they're living through it. However, there is a, there is a debate about who edited the footage. Right. Who edited the footage to be like this could be like hours and hours and hours, but who after like post posthumously uh, edited the footage and right. put it somewhere that people could find? Well, it. it's sort of presented with this idea that it could just be all strung together, like this is just every time they cut and then come back up, but not necessarily. And I think you're making mm -hmm. a point that a lot of people at the time were discussing this, like you could add this whole other layer of mythology to how did this project turn into the Blair Witch Project? So I want to give you guys a little bit of a if you don't mind, this is usually Alex's role. Uh, a little bit of backstory about this, because when this movie came out, it was bonkers. First of all, the three people who starred in it never acted again. Never. They weren't. They also weren't the directors of the film, who they, uh, who apparently they, uh, they did not have a great time with. Sorry, just make a little noise for a second. Yeah. Is that close to me? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they had so. a very difficult time. I know on difficult not time. much on set, but as far as like creating the movie, it would 
the, the directors would have yeah. definitely put them in uncomfortable situations. So what the directors did was basically like tell their parents, we're going to take your children out to the woods for maybe a week, maybe longer, uh, and you'll see them when you see them. And their parents were all like, this is going to be a snuff film. The kids didn't really know what they were getting into. What they would do was every morning they would leave outside their tent instructions for like individual people to do. Right. You're supposed to kick the map into the river today. And then they wouldn't give them anything to eat. It was an eight day shoot. They had like nothing to eat. So they were really just like losing their mind. And they also, uh, there was the safe word. They, they made a uh, taco. I'm not just saying that cause he's my dog. Their safe word was actually the word taco. So if during the shoot, they were yelling at each other, or they were in the moment improvising and they were like, it got too emotional or they needed to break. They would say taco and that's how they'd know like, okay, we're ending this fictional scene and now we're the actors again in the woods talking to each other. But it was that close to reality that they yeah. were just living this experience over the course of several days. And the directors wouldn't tell them exactly what was going to happen. So at night, what they what they were reacting to was like real. I mean, they knew there was in the movie, but like they didn't know the things that were shaking, right. that were screaming at them. They didn't really know that that was real. And you can imagine, even if you think you're in a movie, the the adrenaline, the fear that would take over, which is why I think some of the right. best lines in this movie is when Heather's going, what the fuck is that? What the fuck is that? Yeah. And you're not seeing anything. And you're just like, I've never heard mm -hmm. someone scream like that. Yeah. And that, that, that was another thing that I thought was fun that Josh was saying is like, even when there were times where they weren't scared because they knew I'm in a movie, whatever's happening, this is obviously the director's messing with me to get me to be scared. But he was like, but like also irritation would just take over. Like you're warm in your sleeping bag and here come these assholes making baby noises or banging things. And it's like, oh, I have to act right now. I have to get up and run around the woods and act. And he's like, just that frustration was like enough to bring it across on screen that like he didn't want to be yeah. there miserable. So I mean, well, like so look, so they did create this website that looked like the student documentaries had disappeared. They got a call from the New York police officer who worked on the Maryland uh, for years and wanted to help. So they had to tell the police officer it was all fake. It cost $30,000 to make and it made $250 million worldwide. Yeah. It, I mean, this was a banger. Yeah, it became like a real legit phenomenon because I think that people gave themselves over to the world building, exactly what we were mm -hmm. saying, like alternate reality. It of was it. cheap and we, yeah. it, Well, it's it's definitely, you know, we can talk about how amazing, you know, indie movies and how profitable it was. I think something that's very interesting as well, they really took advantage of people's mentality behind the internet as well. Now, this was uh, the late 90s at a time where internet is just coming around. People are just getting, right. you know, warmed up to the internet in terms of, uh, you know, websites being used for, for marketing and promotions. There are some laws that were still weren't that haven't been written yet as far as, you know, protection and, you know, you know, telling real things and versus false things um, that um, especially in terms of potential missing persons. Um, but this is like at a time where not only people thought it was legit, you know, but having it solidified on something as online felt very, right. very your, real. Mm -hmm. oh. Yes, absolutely. Uh, you know, it was it was like I said, it was like one of the very first uh, marketing campaigns to really use the Internet to its full advantage. You know, well, uh, not only just its full advantage, but I remember and we can get. Uh, we can get into it a little bit, but I remember seeing this movie, being on the message boards for this movie, being like so upset. Like I knew that there was something special about this movie. I saw this movie as a double feature between I was in mid, I was in the beginning of high school. I saw it as a double feature as Eyes Wide Shut. 
What a wild double feature. And it feel very stick to my tummy. I do not like uh, I do not like watching uh uh what's it called? Like uh what are they called? Orgies or the woods. No, I don't like watching shaky cam. Orgies no. in the woods. No. I don't like no shaky cam like right. bugs me out. Yeah, yeah. The, the jittery, yeah. So yeah, I, I have a hard time too. Super obsessed with this movie. Uh I had just got a message from my friend Lauren today. Hopefully uh she will maybe stop by a little bit later. Uh we watched this movie, Eyes Wide Shut, you know, very, very cinematic, very like Kubrick. It was his final film. It was every shot was placed in such a way. And then we went straight from that to the front row of the Blair Witch Project, which was like, yeah. I don't know how to describe it, describe it if you weren't there, but like, it was like, unlike anything other, like any, it would look like watching somebody's home footage, like yeah. home movie. Like you're like, how is this a film? And for most of the movie, like nothing scary besides the horror of gang loss is happening. Right. I mean, I think that works. It lulls you into this sort of sense of like, this is just a movie about being lost to wit, which is what I think makes that final scene so impactful when it does take this turn for the supernatural. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I really like how long it spends just kind of setting this up. I did have a question. Alex, have you seen Eyes Wide Shut? Yes, of course. Okay. It's I definitely, it's one of my top five Christmas movies actually. Of all well, time. there you go. Well, that, cause that would have been a good one for this show if one of you hadn't seen it. <laughs> oh yeah, that, that's a good reminder of Delia. Donate money. Oh that's yes, cool. donate. Maybe we'll be able to get out of this woods. That's, so, what you, that's what you get if you donate. So, as we escape the woods. I do want to. I do want to um, bring up a couple more things about like the impact of Blair Witch Project because it really can't be overstated. Do you know how many? Like, do you know how many found footage horror movies? There's a lot. Uh, oh my gosh, so many. I mean, that it created a whole freaking trend because it was cheap to make, and like mm -hmm. you didn't have to each, like actually show anything bad. Like you could just. Right, you it's know. it's it's more reasonable on a first-time filmmaker's budget because you really can just take a camera into a primary location and like you're on your way. You're already making a movie. It does like I think that it, for a while it became one of those Hollywood crutches where it seems like it's a formula and it's pretty straightforward and it's pretty cheap. So you got a glut of them right away, which kind of overlooks how difficult they are to make creatively. Like to keep an audience's interest with strictly found footage is hard because you can't do all the things that a typical filmmaker would do to grab people's interest. You know, you have to really focus it on this discipline. Like the only things that are in this movie are things that these characters would have purposefully filmed. So, I mean, for every uh -huh. Cloverfield that I think does a very good job, there's oh, right. yeah, probably right. like eight to ten of these movies. Session nine. Session like nine's brilliant. I mean, VHS. Session nine is kind of in between, though. I think it's not strictly uh, found footage; it's just a real location. I, I don't understand the love people have with session nine. I don't know. Oh, I was so, I was like watching it. I watching it. I was just like, yeah. what's what's actually happening? I don't get it. Like, so here's the thing. I, this was but that's on, another conversation for another day, I feel like, though. This but. was on another forefront that, like, I hadn't thought about before, but this was, like, everyone could afford a camera. This was, like, right at that, that saturation point where everyone could afford a camera. Yes. Not on their phone, but everyone could afford a camera. So everyone could be a documented filmmaker. I'm not sure how you felt about the character of Heather, but, boy, was she obnoxious. But it's also that it, mm -hmm. it suddenly became a lot more, like, explainable. Like, in Blair Witch, they have to do the trope of they're filmmakers. They're wannabe student filmmakers. That's why they know how to shoot in the woods. That's why they have all of this equipment. 
a few years after this, you didn't even need that. It's just like, well, they're filming it on their phones. Yeah. Everybody has a phone. Everybody has a camera in their pocket. So by the time Chronicle comes around, we get it. It's of course every teenager would be filming one another all the time. They're using their iPhone. You know. So here's something that's interesting. It's like in some ways the Blair Witch Project could have only like existed in the time that it existed because it helped create the very media landscape that would preclude its viral success today. In 20 years since the film's debut, the landscape has shifted profoundly. The arrival of YouTube, which made video sharing a global social and economic enterprise, has deepened the blur. Add that to the rise of reality TV, fake news, and phenomena like deep fakes, not to mention like, you know, like these ghost hunter shows, uh, which mm -hmm. use real images and voices to completely fabricate video. It becomes hard to imagine a hoax-based movie campaign ever gaining that kind of currency. So like, that's just fascinating. Like that movie is, it's a non-macronism. It's, it's so of its time. Yeah, I mean, if you think about today, if you were, if you had this idea and it hadn't been done before, if you were like, I wanna make a, it's a thing about, these people, they wander in the woods and we got this whole background. It would be for YouTube. I mean, that would be the obvious place that you would put this sort of thing and you could make it work as a hoax. You'd fool people for a few weeks into thinking these kids wandering into the woods are real. And then you drop the supernatural and people would freak out and it would probably build an audience that way. Uh, that would probably work out better because, uh, you know, like it would, that that's sort of the perfect medium, but that didn't exist in 99. They were kind of making that up as they went. So great question, mm -hmm. Weston, and going, what would the world be like without this film? I think if Blair Witch hadn't uh, been created, someone would have created it. Like someone would have created well, something like along that line. Yeah. Well, I do want to mention, um, I was looking at like some of like uh, the first, uh, I was like looking at like the first uh, reiterations of, you know, fan footage. And some of the early one, there was one that was, uh, it's technically considered a fan footage movie, which was... Uh, uh, yeah, Cannibal Holocaust from 1980, and I have not seen it, so I can't really. Yeah, speak you on it. are not one for you. I, I actually don't know if that there definitely are like these scenes were shot by the characters, but I don't think it's a completely found footage movie. It's I could be wrong. It's not completely found footage because there are scenes that take place that are not found footage. Right. But yes, for the most part, it is. It incorporates scenes like this that were supposedly shot by the filmmakers, the characters in the movie. Faces mm -hmm. of Death is another one. I think that could be counted as found footage. I mean, found footage, as we describe it, could be uh, movies that are non-curated. So that means the footage is found directly as it is without editing. Right. I mean, that's usually why it's, it's more like this. We rip this footage out of the camera and here it is. Whereas something like mm -hmm. Faces of Death, where it's, it's more like a mockumentary, mm -hmm. I think, mm -hmm. where it's yeah. like, it's a it's a, being presented as a documentary that was edited and put together as a project. It just happens to not be real. And why is that? Well, because, because of the stuff you discovered on Frankenstein MD, which is that you have to have a reason for the upload. People, the people that are uploading it have to know and yeah. have to have a reason that they're uploading it. And it becomes increasingly hard to do that once you have like a ghost. Once you have a ghost involved or a scary thing involved, why are these people uploading right. it's, this it's, video? It's, how, very, how these fights, it's very difficult to build storytelling because it's, it's easy to be like, well, yeah, if you saw a ghost, if you heard a sound in the night and you were making a ghost documentary, you'd grab your camera. Let's go see what that sound is. But it's very hard if you and I are going to have an argument that helps to establish our relationship that's a movie thing that happens in every movie, but people don't usually film when they're having an argument with their friend that helps to establish their relationship. That's when you turn the camera off. So as a found footage filmmaker, you have to be like, 
Why are these characters filming oh. themselves? So with Blair Witch House, and, and my favorite trope is because I'm a filmmaker, I hide behind the camera. Right. That's that's the, the sort of they do they do pull that, and that's kind of the cheesy version. I do think in Blair Witch they're pretty clever about it a lot of the time, where they have those arguments come out of things that made sense to film. So it's like, oh my God, look at these weird trees. Wait, didn't we cross this log already? And so it's like, well, that's the thing I'm going to film. But now that I'm filming it, I'm going to start arguing with you and the camera's already on. Or to do it in an antagonistic way, as we've seen Josh. Right. Or like turn yeah. on the camera to, to screw with you purposefully. Like I'm going to make fun of you and pretend I'm interviewing you. You have to come up with those kind of tricks to build your world. Now, Alex, I want to hear, what did you think of this movie? Like, I mean, beyond, you know, whatever. What was your experience watching this movie? I watched it by myself oh. in the dark. Oh, baby. Dark. I wanted I wanted a vibe, you know what I mean? I you, you feel me? Okay. Um yes. <laughs> um so watching this movie um so one so this movie in particular there's a lot of things i really really was surprised at how much i really enjoyed now i don't think it's a great movie you know by any means because you know you know you know i i didn't grow up with it you know like i see i i had i saw like i saw other fan footage movies before this you know i saw like paranormal activity things like that you know before i saw this movie so i feel like i've seen a lot of the fan footage tropes already so going into this i kind of had this mentality this is going to be trash now the movie i don't feel like it is like a very great movie overall the thing is it does right. a lot of things i feel like that's really good though it creates a real sense of real dread anxiety that felt very real from the actors i feel like considering uh the actors i feel like all things considering they actually did really really well They're um yeah that's yeah dread the sense of anxiety was very real yeah. and that like that sheer frustration when they're hiking and they're like we passed that log already <gasps> she's just yeah. like that moment she's like by a creek and she's crying and she's like i have a lot to do oh god we don't have a map okay. what do we do okay. i was like yeah. you know i was really feeling for it i mean maybe we don't want to get into characters too quickly but uh i'd love to talk about the character of heather i find her mm -hmm. Uh, I, like I said, I find her yeah. very, very obnoxious, but I also find it like super fascinating. She's such an archetype. She's such a, she's such a type of that person who's like, I know what I'm doing. I'm going to the woods. We're gonna do this movie. It's gonna be great. And then suddenly she, she's losing control of the thing. She doesn't know these guys that well, and she suddenly becomes this like, you know, you know, kind of great, not great a bitch, but she becomes like one of these mm -hmm. people who suddenly is like, is like her way of the highway. She's constantly telling people that like you know that they're wrong she's right and then we see the way mm -hmm. that, that kind of dissolves the the group mentality until the point where of course she's apologizing at the end yeah I, um, I, I think one thing it does it does very well is uh there is a reality to the development of the relationship between these three because they really were in real life strangers who were thrown together she knew josh but right she didn't know they, they, they really did have like their own dynamic and then come in and then they went through this very dramatic experience together that set them off and against one another in all of these ways and you really are just sort of documentary style telling the story of that process in the movie they're just adding on this level of they're not really lost. They're they're making a movie. Oh, they're so not really afraid of a witch. They know that it's people yeah. antagonizing them. Well, but otherwise, yeah. it really is capturing a real situation, which is them yeah. fighting with one another and being in this crazy experience and together and being hungry and being cold. Question, 
Is it scary to think there's a witch or is it scary to think you've been abducted by two filmmakers who are possibly out to make a snuff film and it's gone <laughs> it, it's supposed to be last three days and it's now lasted eight days and you don't have any food and what what's actually because her fear in that movie like i feel is is actual genuine yeah sure it felt, yeah it felt incredible real thing okay i as i think is i felt like all those aspects like the fear the anxiety the hatred the the intensity it was like it, it was like really radiating off the screen watching this for the first time um, I, it was really really it was really fantastic you know i you know i you know i feel like it was very funny because you know she's definitely an archetype she's you know you know, I think it's, I think it's, I, you know, even though she's an archetype, she is, I think because it was such a pretty solid actress, I felt like I knew, I, I feel like I know girls wow. like that 100%. Oh, she wow. felt very relatable at the same time, I you know, Buffy, know-it-all. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, like yeah. that bitch, but you know, she's my friend, all the, you know, all the same. And we're all, let's face it, who hasn't just completely broken down out of like sheer, Fear, I mean, uh, or anxiety, uh -huh. or, or hatred. Yeah, I, you know, sometimes random ones. But um, my phone turned on for oh. hysteria. I would say that, that this yeah. I overstand how. Shut up! I overstand <laughs> how acts. I would never. My difference with her is I would never like put other people in this situation. My hysteria is always like I'm gonna go be in a lunar, uh, room alone. I would never like put somebody in this. Like I would have the the hubris to bring somebody into this right. situation. Yeah, which mm -hmm. is where I feel like she, but you know, it's a very male hubris. It's a very like male filmmaker hubris. I think gendering it by being like, she's a woman, so she's bitchy, is kind of like doing a disservice because she's a filmmaker. I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't wait, know. Wait, wait, hold the phone, hold the phone. Is that real? Like Kevin Fox? Hmm? Is that real? Kevin Fox is a chat, is a chat uh, executive producer behind Blair Witch Project. This gentleman in the, in the chat with us, Kevin Fox, executive produced the film, The Blair Witch Project, if we have questions for him. Oh, uh, is that uh, real? Alex is, is that real? curious. Is, yeah, he says, she's, Cam Shaft is insisting that this is real information. Yeah, wait, we might want to get this person. Cam Shaft has, someone, wait. Like, someone Google? Someone Google? Uh, I will Are Google. you real? Are you real? Okay, so, uh, Are we like, are we in the middle of our own? Like a situation for this movie. Okay, yeah, we are. Uh, yes, there is a Kevin Fox, who director, producer, writer, and storyteller, best known for the independent film The Blair Witch Project. Uh, yeah, Kevin. Hey, do you have a um? Do you have like a way that we can connect to you, like a Twitter or a or a uh, Facebook or something, so we could uh, bring you on for maybe a little bit of a segment. If you, if, if you want to, if you, if you, if want, you, to, if you want to, you can also just answer questions from the chat. Yeah, yeah or you can answer right questions now. from the chat, but we'd love to have you on uh, because yes. this movie is so instrumental to me. This movie, mm -hmm. this movie, like, you know, as much as, like I said, like as much as I like have really started to turn on the uh, found footage things, I think certain things do it really well. Paranormal Activity did it really well. I think that yes. this movie host. This yeah, I, I don't think it's ever going to go away. I think it, it exploded and then it sort of ran its course and now it joins all the other tools in the horror filmmaker toolbox. Like there are, uh, Kevin wants to just hang out in the chat. So we'll okay. ask you questions from the chat. Sure, if it changes your mind, I grew up outside right in Burkittsville. I grew up outside like five minutes away from Burkittsville, if that helps. You I think he says Cam, Cam right now is tricky, but he could do chat. Okay, okay, gotcha. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of really great things about this movie. What you can't argue is how it influenced cinema, the idea behind it, but also the the kind of stories that are produced 
in found footage are, you know, nine, like, let's face it, like 90% of found footage movies are very horror thriller based. Um, a lot of, I feel like some, a lot of the best examples, a lot of the best examples of found footage are horror thriller now, but there are like some like random ones like Chronicle, Time Code, time code <laughs> you know, which are really like a, you know, where, because those are really fantastic ones, but we haven't really seen too many fan footage movies outside of the horror thriller genre really succeed. Um, because right. it's being able to, being a horror thriller, it's really emphasizes a lot of the sheer terror and the relatability behind the idea of fan footage, because it's the idea that any, literally anyone can do it. And so it literally, these stories can be about anyone, you know, it's not a huge supernatural, big, big story kind of thing, you know, um, where it feels a little too shiny, a little too polished per se. Well, if anybody's you know. talking about that, we can talk about Blair Witch 2, Book of Shadows, Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2, whatever. Oh, Book of Shadows, colon, Joe, Blair Witch 2. Joe Berlinger did amazing things. Well, no, he, was, he had already done a lot of very well. Uh, he was the guy who got off the Memphis Yeah, story, the right? Paradise Lost he, film. He did. He did most recently the movie uh, Shocking, the Shockingly Evil one with a. Uh, Zach yes, Everone. yes, the Zach Efron. Zach, Zach Efron, yeah. Well, that really didn't do that, but made an actual documentary alongside right. that, a compendium documentary. Yeah, Netflix, had, they're mm. both on Netflix. There's the Ted Bundy Tapes, which I believe is the docuseries, and then the extremely shocking and incredibly vile, which is the, the movie version. The, uh, yeah, and, you know, it was the one that made me realize that I, I might be sexually attracted to Zac Efron. It's no big deal. Everyone goes to that period. Listen, don't make a thing out of it. Well, I did, a question I have for Kevin, though, if you, could, if you uh, can answer me, if you can, is that I do know, obviously, the entire story is, is fake to, to a certain extent, except for the actors. That the, every, like, yeah, which is their, which is their genuine reactions. But the, myth, the mythology behind you know, the Blair Witch is false. I, I, I was like, I read that it was entirely created by the director, producers, and a lot of people behind the scenes. And I'm kind of curious that how people feel about it today. I mean, like for people, especially because I know in, in the sequel, they dive into how locals feel about the Blair Witch phenomena. And <laughs> and obviously- it's a British horror film, brilliant. Yeah. So it's so it's so it's like making it's like how Clive Barker he completely created his whole mythology behind Candyman that creating that urban legend where people like where it's like no you stole this real legend but it, it no he completely made it up yeah I mean it's you know? not like the great Slender Man I mean the Blair Witch was like a was yeah. a phenomenon but it wasn't like this yeah. thing that become because it wasn't it was a little pre-viral like people didn't really you know I remember going and going to a lot of Burkittsville, Maryland thing, but it wasn't like, you know, there wasn't that sense of like viral fame where a million people like knew where Burkittsville were. Right. Like, you know. I mean, it's also like a classic sort of horror trope is to like take real <laughs> spooky folk tales or whatever. There was an anthology a few years ago called The Field Guide to Horror. Did you guys hear about that? There was just filmmakers from around the world. In fact, the guy who did uh, The Baskin Director made one. Baskin. Uh, Baskin, the scariest movie the scariest that's movie ever. ever. Uh, so it's just what like, is Baskin? What is okay. Baskin? Wow. It doesn't sound like a real thing. Baskin's Baskin, real. Baskin is a Turkish horror film, the tagline of which five cops go to hell. 
That's all I'll say. It's very upsetting. It's the best horror movie. It's it's both like very scary and intense and like frightened, viscerally frightening, but it's oh, also yeah. like psychedelic and trippy and weird. It is torture porn, but it's also like like psychological and also like very metaphysical. I don't really think that there's one big Was torture. It, we're not talking anymore about this. We're not talking anymore about this. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, it's, I do love movies when they really, they get, they give a real small glimpse as, as far as like this, as far as the local mythology that ends up being like a huge mythology. Now this movie, I mean, this, there's a huge franchise. I think this is like five, maybe six movies or something crazy like that. Um, I, I'm watching, I was actually literally watching the, yes. The Blair Witch. There's three. three. There, there, there's one, and then two. Which one am I thinking about? A few years ago. There's there's an Adam Wingard that was like you know just Blair Witch. Blair Witch. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was watching the second one. Well. Okay, so I watching the first one. I really really enjoyed the first one. Um, and going into the second one, it hurt my heart. I really don't okay. like the second one because I feel like because uh, a lot of the aspects of the first one that I really really loved, you know, the horror, that sheer terror, and also a lot the sense of isolation and everything, you know, you know, it translates very well and into this kind of found footage feel. Now, thing is, in the sequel, it's not a found footage. I get that, but there it, it had so much more supernatural, um, you know mythology behind it that just doesn't line up to the first movie. It's very inconsistent. Question. How much of the Blair Witch do we actually think of as a horror movie? I mean, it's really the horror is mm-hmm. people getting lost in the woods and slowly losing their mind and not, and yeah. there's a supernatural element, but we don't see yeah. the Blair Witch. And until the yeah. very end, we don't get anything super, like very supernatural besides like the voodoo stuff. I mean, it could just be like somebody said, well, yeah, deliverance mean, people fucking with mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's a really interesting element in the whole movie in that that in some ways is just about as scary. It's like scarier. you could equal, you could equal not more scary. our film about a trio of filmmakers who get lost in the woods and then, and then preyed upon by a group of like hill people who, you know, have been removed from society and are hunting yeah, hills them. hills have eyes. Right. And hunting them. And deliverance. Using them. Deliverance is a good example. Bone like, tomahawk. Yeah. Right. Like there's, that's, that's its own genre. And so the fact that that is, like the happier Wolf alternative, Creek. like that's kind of what they're thinking and hoping it is instead of this monster, right? Wolf Creek, which is just that one crazy outback guy. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole genre. I mean, we'd like to talk about how horror, like thriller is just a subgenre of horror. So a lot of thriller films, a lot of slasher films fall into the genre of horror, although we don't normally Aww. think about it. Such yeah, as, I read that. I read that. But when we enter the realm of the supernatural, that's a certain kind of horror movie. And I think that what Blair, which, uh, project really does well is never really tell you which kind of horror movie this is. Right. Until the implication. I love that. Right. I was saying, I love that about the movie though. In the second one, they completely throw that out the window, the whole ambiguous yeah, ending cool. idea. In the second one, there's ghosts, there's full on ghosts. There's, you know, they're, they're pretty much staying in a haunted house, haunted building situation. It's you know, yeah yeah i mean yeah i mean like it you know it, it was really really disappointing because you know there's a you see them they're actively being tricked like consistently all the time and it was it was very sad to see because it look it, 
it felt didn't it felt very disingenuous and in the second one it felt like it was trying to really you know make money off of the idea of of the Blair Witch Project while not actually paying attention to what made the Blair Witch Project good and I feel like uh what you're saying though Kevin was like you wanted it you it felt very rushed the sequel did and a lot of the themes and everything really push that uh, forward. Do you want to ask Kevin a question? How involved were you in terms of like the day to day? I know they were gone for a week. Were you out in the woods with them? Did you hear like I don't know who the, I don't know the name of the directors, but like did you hear? Did you know ahead of time that this was going to be like you know the the sort of scheduling that they would be sort of just given little notes at the beginning of the day? I mean, was there any sort of sense of ah this might be pushing these these non-actors a little too far. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not acting that I'm not asking this in an accusatory way. I'm asking What was your like, legal liability? No, I'm saying, <laughs> are you clacking? Are you doing the little baby screams in the background? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, in a, a Kubrick Ian sense, like how far do you like how far do these directors think that they can push these people? I got involved. Uh, so he's saying they shot it and then he got involved after the movie was already. Okay, so great question. When you saw the Important. footage for the first time, what did you think? Did you think the movie was real? Did you spend some time thinking the movie was real? I presume it I'm sure you knew. I'm sure you knew about it being made, though. I, I did not. I was making it, though. They were still shooting a lot of the other footage yeah. uh, that we then did. Oh, like what? Me. Like what? Oh, please tell me that there was like, there was like maybe, I wonder if they saw it, like uh, filmed a scene with an actual like witch figure. There's please. a scene where they find. Um, Wait, you know what? Please tell, <laughs> let me know. I'm uh, sorry. Please uh, let me tell you that we have no more than like 200 viewers. So like, please spill the tea. What else was there going on? We're just hanging. Let's just be so honest. We're just hanging. 200 viewers. This is about to go viral. Scare the shit out of me. But all I over TikTok. So he knew that it was fake. <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming that, yeah, they were like got, hitting him up for like money or help with distribution. So they probably were like, here's what we shot. Oh, oh I remember this. Yes. What, it's, special it's right. It was like a spinoff special or it was like other other material about the Blair Witch. Right. Now, can I ask another question that maybe, Kevin, you don't know the answer to? I don't know where you were, like, at during, like, physically at during this stage of the process. But uh, why Burkittsville? Because that felt like a, I felt very attacked. You felt personally attacked. <laughs> attacked. I'm from the nearby Columbia, Maryland, next to the Potomac, uh, you know, the Potomac mm -hmm. Woods, Weather Post Pavilion. And I was like, really? You going to make it about our town? Like, you're going to make it? Every movie that is set around where I grew up, and there are several, is making fun. Literally every single movie that goes to Irvine or Central Orange County mm -hmm. is like like Palm Springs when they go to J.K. Simmons' house or that movie Orange County that, by the way, is about a guy who not only grew up where I grew up, but is named Lonnie. Ooh. It's weird, right? So here's the thing. Uh, he's saying that it, he edited, uh, the, uh, the director had grown up nearby and liked it. Here's yeah. my new theory. Uh -uh. Here's the theory. There is a huge huge contingent of like incredible uh, horror movie uh, people out of Maryland and Delaware. We got John Gallagher Jr. We got Ty West. We got Graham Resnick. We've got like a bunch of like, we got Ari Plaza. We have a bunch of really cool like horror people that come from that area of Delaware and Maryland. I think it's because there's nothing to do. But we have Jeremy Saliane from Green Room. And, is he uh, from there too? He's from right outside that area, which is like the Virginia that's uh, bordering DC. 
I mean, they're just, they're so, yeah, Kevin says Maryland is haunted. I mean, I, Maryland is fucking haunted. There's, just, there's so many places across America that are boring and there's nothing no. to do. Maryland's haunted. We used well, to have a place called I mean, I'm more inclined to believe Maryland is haunted than the it's boring and there's nothing to do. Because, like, otherwise, Tuscaloosa They're would be a both. hotbed. I, I am kind of curious of what what kind of who is like the person to be like, this is a town we want to go with. Let's go with this well, horrible small town or whatever the situation why, why? Because Burkittsville is, uh, is, is one of those towns that's like out in the middle of nowhere. It's a little bit in the boonies. Like, I lived a little closer to Baltimore, but it's just one of these places where, A, I don't think you'd have to pay for. For uh, you know, filming there, like it's just right. like a, it's just like a pod, not podunk, but it's, it's just like a little town. Yeah. And then you go straight into the woods, in which case, like people were camping there all the yeah. time. Uh, so it'd be very easy and very like easy to shoot there. Secondly, yeah, it is sort of these. It is this sort of not religious community, but there are these in these small towns, like very religious communities right. that would be yeah. willing to talk to you. There are a lot of ghost <laughs> stories. They make a lot of money, you know, uh, you know, with the tourism, with the ghost stuff. Yeah. So I think that would work really well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I grew up right next to the Potomac uh, woods and it was terrifying. Like after watching this movie, I was terrified to go like into my backyard for a while. And I remember for a while, I also thought it was really funny to uh, turn off all the lights in my basement and stand in a corner and wait for my <laughs> friends to come down. <laughs> thought that was a really That's cool a long trick. wait. Yeah. Would you like <laughs> set up that they would have to have reason oh. they would have to come down? No. Can I ask you a, a Shmodan question regarding this one? Oh, hi, girl. In what year does this movie take place? 19, oh, take place? Yeah, careful, because it was released in 99, but it was claims to have been shot earlier. Three years earlier. So 90, 90, 1995, It would have been so much later. It would have been six years later. Uh, 90... 93? I was also going to guess 93, but I didn't have any 93, reason. 96. It's 1994, in October oh, of 1994. That's a great question. That's a Schmodown related yeah, question. Yeah, no, Kevin, we know That's we a five-pointer right there. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, a five-pointer. attention. Yeah. So here's the question, too. What do you got, what, Kevin, I want to hear your opinion. What do you, what did you think of uh, Blair Witch? Uh, the Adam Wingard reboot. And, uh, you know, I love Adam Wingard. I loved your next. I loved the guest. I was super sick to see this movie. I wasn't totally disappointed by this movie. I just thought it was a totally different beast. And I thought that's the right direction for them to go in because you can't make, unless you're doing hosts or you're doing these virtual Zoom things, you can't really improve upon perfection when there's been so many found footage. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it, right. It, it kind of, the idea of the whole movie is going to be found footage, I feel like sort of played itself out. We kind of did most of the obvious stuff to do with it. At this point, I mean, there are some really great examples. There's that one from VHS two, where it's like oh, the, Thai West the yeah, that the the clinic in Thailand or the Philippines. You know what I'm talking about? No, but I think uh, you know what, an, yeah is uh, the Blair Witch movie, which did drones. They were trying to get drones up in there to try to get you right. Know. And I, I just I feel like like you know that to me it felt like this is this is a good example of a modern take on this. It's just like I don't know if we're ever gonna like put this particular lightning back in the bottle. Well, you know, Paranormal Activity managed to do that. And I think that if you do something like TikToks or Zoom. Saying, right. Yeah, I'm sure there's the TikTok version of this. And I actually, uh, I pitched Snapchat on the Snapchat version of this, which they didn't end up wanting to make. But 
Uh, oh, I mean, I like, have a all question. platforms could lend themselves to this mm -hmm. stuff. Here, uh, Kevin wrote an answer saying it was a lot of fun and twisted many ideas that the directors talked about, like time shifts and being lost in a suspended dimension and Easter eggs to the original. That is actually a great point. That's something I really, really loved. And as you know, is a big thing of mine, which is a uh, temporal hell. Yes. Uh, time being, loops. Time being loops. stuck in a time loop. Being sure. stuck in a time loop. Uh, time yeah. moving differently in certain locations, like maybe the, perhaps they weren't lost. They were just lost in time. Right. I, I really, I really thought that movie played upon that well. Yeah. Um, there was, I have two questions actually. Now, Kevin, as like, uh, cause I'm not sure what your like specific role, I know you said you might've been like producer or some kind of editor involved with a movie. Awesome. What is, I wonder what your favorite, you know, found footage film is like, what do you think is like Ooh. one of the best examples of a found footage uh, film? So and it doesn't have to be a horror. Uh, it can be, if you like, you know, it can be any genre you like, it could be a bigger version like Chronicle, Brown like Bone. I said, or, you know, or, or, or Cloverfield, or is it something smaller? Like, like heck, I don't know. Uh, grave encounters, <laughs> you know. It could be whatever, whatever, or VHS. It could be like whatever kind of genre you like. But oh, so okay, like is that found footage? No, I don't know. I don't think it is. Which okay. one? Which oh, one? Yeah. Brown, Brown Bunny. Brown Bunny, the Vincent Gallo one where Chloe Sevigny uh, blows him. Anyway, oh, is that technically found footage? I don't think it is. I think it's just slow and weird. But I don't think it's found footage. But while Kevin kind of thinks on, you know, picking his answer per se, Lon and Lon, starting with you, what's your one of your favorites, you know, fan footage movies? Uh, I'm going to look up the name of that segment from VHS 2 because I think it's the best other than Blair Witch. Kevin. Oh my uh, gosh, I, that segment from VHS2 effed me up. That movie, that segment is, freaked me I'm gonna, out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look up uh, which, what it's called. And I yeah, I think if you've seen VHS2, you will remember. And uh, then he, the, he, like the devil thing, like pops up on the hood and he's like, Daddy! Oh my yeah. God. Ah, here it is. It's Saint Persia that was directed by the Raid guys. That's why it's so intense. Oh. Gosh, and I felt it. It's, it's like a news crew, and it's Indonesia. It's a news crew, and they're making a documentary about this Indonesian cult. Yeah. And then, literally, yeah. while they're in the the place checking out the facility, all hell just breaks loose, and it, it's incredible. Literal hell. Literal one hell. One cut above the dead. One cut of the dead. Yes. One. Yeah. One cut of the dead. I have a couple more, so bear with me. Okay. I think uh, Grave Encounters did a really, really good job of, of this concept. Mm -hmm. I think that, uh, I think there's some that like mixed around with the found footage with the other stuff that I, that I really like. I thought that, um, what else did I really like? I thought Sacrament. Sacrament was a Oh great. yeah, the Sacrament's really good. Anything with like the Amy oh, Simon yeah. or the Ty West, you yeah, know, that, that, people. Right, that group. Baghead was yeah. really good. Uh, you know what? You know, <gasps> I got, I got my one. I it's one. not a found footage movie. It's just a segment. But the way Shyamalan films the news reports in signs. Oh my god! I knew you were gonna say that. How did Dude. you know? Dude, you're like Indonesian. Uh, something, something. You're gonna be like that one part of signs, but technically that was in like July. That's Brazil, actually, in signs. Yeah. I still don't know how you knew I was gonna say that. It was a relative. I know because you're like, oh, because it's yeah. I knew you were gonna say that. Uh, but anyway, those sequences I think are really amazing. Just like in the background, like it's made to look like it's just amateur, like somebody shooting a thing with their phone. But he gets the timing so perfectly; it's really unsettling. Maniac with Elijah Wood. That's Ooh, a that yeah. 
first person perspective the whole movie. I don't is he filming? Yep. Oh. I but I've been wanting to I tried finding that movie earlier, but I had to buy it and I don't want to buy it. So I don't want uh, it. how about uh, uh Portrait Silver uh, uh Dog Bites Man? Man bites up. Well that's right, he's being followed by a news crew. So I guess technically that like might be mockumentary. There's also what is it, Wreck or Record? Those ones oh, yeah. where yeah. they take the camera, it's like a zombie film. And like a uh, yeah. Film. What we do in the shadows is technically one. Um, uh, but you're totally, you're totally right. That's definitely a documentary. My favorite if, though, if it's like a footage, documentary, I think that's yeah. different. Mm -hmm. like, my if favorite like is probably, which is a oh. really scary one that plays with the idea of alzheimer's and what that looks like in terms of horror uh there's also one that i forget the name of it it is uh oh the last exorcism with the guy who plays howard yeah, hamlin i was gonna from, say uh, better call saul there's also uh mm -hmm. troll hunter you guys seen that one? Oh yeah that's, yeah, a good that's one. the guy that he went on to do i believe uh, autopsy of jane doe was like his follow-up oh, have you guys yeah. seen the poughkeepsie tapes I have not seen the Poughkeepsie tapes. I've heard of it. If you want to, you should tell. Okay, I know. Uh, I, I know, Drew. You're asking for random weird movie requests. I definitely recommend the Poughkeepsie tapes. It's definitely it's a very similar feel as far as like the terror and anxiety. Um, but it's a movie that really makes you. I don't want to give anything away. It's it's just it's really solid. I definitely definitely recommend it. Um, I think there's some, some good thing with the genres that mostly been on TV or different playing around with it. Like, um, I think at, first of all, as above, so below definitely gets a shout out. Uh, but also no. stuff like, um, I know you're going to hate me for saying this, but, uh, for, for, uh, Wham city comedies when they did <laughs> this house has people in it, which is security cam footage. Like it's all done through via security cam footage. There's also a really great inside number nine episode. That's all done through security cam footage. So what you're looking at is an objective. We're not looking at the subjective person whipping around the camera. We're looking at objective cameras as it, it's almost like a five night party, just like watching it happen. That That's actually a really great point you make because if we didn't get this film, I wonder if we wouldn't be able to get movies like Searching or like you said, a security cam kind of things like that. Whereas like from computers or phones, things like that, because they all is, they're all like almost like subcategories so, uh, subcategories of some footage films. I so if we had, if Blair Witch had hadn't there, done it, I believe if Blair Witch hadn't done it, someone would have come up with the idea. Yeah, later on, maybe, yeah. Um, but have, we, have you seen the movie Host? I mean, probably not, but um, it's it's a new ho movie Host. It's on Shutter. It's all done during Zoom. It's a Zoom call horror movie, yeah. Oh, wait, really is it the one with uh, the, the mask thing? Oops. Is that it? Is it? Uh, not really. No, that would be a new one. It's a mask thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Where she's looking at the thing and she sees the, the, the fucking like mask. Almost, yeah, it's like almost like a filter, like a mask yeah, it's filter, a filter situation. It's, a, it's yeah. a TikTok filter right. and she sees the TikTok filter and there's like nothing there, but the TikTok filter makes a face. Right. It's, it's oh, picking something up, yeah. God. 
There's also one. Did you guys ever see uh, Open Windows with Elijah Wood? No. It's the same. It's mm-hmm. Nacho Vigalondo who also did Time Oh, Crimes. my God. No way. Uh, and it's the whole movie is Elijah Wood's laptop screen. And so you're watching it. He's, yes, I have seen this. He's investigating. Like, he thinks that there's this woman who he was... He's supposed to meet up on, like, a fantasy date thing with her or something. He won some contest. And so they're talking over this call. And then he thinks she gets, like, abducted. And he's trying to, like, solve what happened to her on his computer. But you only hear it, like, you only see or hear him through, like, if he records himself on QuickTime or Zoom. And it's all just, like, you're just looking at his laptop. Like, he's sharing the screen with you for the entire movie. It's very clever. Kevin, to address your comment, I think I have the kind of stuff for you. The thing is, it's not movies that you like, they're not full length movies. These are movies that are alternate reality games that exist really, really awesomely uh, online and are done by really creative uh, collectives. Uh, you can find them, if you hit me up afterwards, you can find them, uh, you can find them by looking at this guy, Nightmind on YouTube. He studies like uh, in a very cool way. He like, he introduces you to ARGs. A lot of times these are people who have their the claim is they've found a bunch of videos, VHSs, whatever, and they're trying to make sense of it. And along the way, they're going along a story and it's a participatory game element. It's really, really cool. He's a fan, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I think that like, you know, uh, This House of People win it or, you know, anything that the Wham City Comedy Collective does is, is really cool. What was, what was one of the ones you watched yesterday? I feel like we watched a really cool one of an ARG. We watched uh, Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared, yes. No, that's not the one, though. The ARG one. Okay, anyway. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, Ben Drowned or Petscop or one of these things that looks like it's originally a uh, video game and somebody's trying to go through and play the video game. It's all corrupted. I don't think I was watching this one. Anyway, it's real good. Marble Hornets. I mean, that was the beginning of Slenderman, uh, Everyman Hybrid. What's really impressive about this generation is they will have something they'll start when they're like 13 years old and it will all yeah. be mapped out by the time they're 25 like it's all mapped out and they've been just doing consistent content every single week for this entire like years and years and i find it incredibly like inspiring that these kids have like, like to do it like a uh, richard linklater's uh boyhood almost like Imagine only a different, different version of that but you're 13 years old and you're messing around with your friends about Slenderman, and then you just manage to think far enough ahead that you're like, we're gonna hit these beats, we're gonna hit these beats, we're gonna hide clues in the beginning that are gonna pay off near the end. Like it's it's an incredibly like uh, vast undertaking that I'm really impressed by. I would love to see that go down. Yeah, there's so many people right now that are starting younger and younger to to explore the idea of filmmaking, make their own films, that kind of thing. You know, whether be able to when it comes to making their own movies or making their own little videos, things like that. And it's, uh, you know, again, it doesn't have to be horror movies, but people are just getting more and more creative with the idea because it's easier than ever to do it. Um, no, we have like talked about a little bit about we talked about our favorite fan footage, footage movies and everything. Let's kind of steer back to Blair Witch Project, uh, the movie itself again, because it's been a minute since we talked about it. Uh, let's talk about some of our favorite scenes in particular. Is there any particular scene that really st- stands out to you? Oh God, yeah. This, this one in particular, like, the part where uh, Heather, who's been kind of annoying, whatever, and you find out you know Mike has kicked the map, but Mike is starting to laugh hysterically. Like Mike is starting to lose it, and you don't know if he's under the spell of the witch or like what's going on. But he is starting to lose it. And then the next day, Heather's starting to scream, 
And it's the kind of scream that you only hear outside of like, you know, an Ari Aster movie where she's just screaming. She's going like, what the fuck is that? Like, and it's something you don't hear in horror movies. You're just going, what the fuck is that? Like she's screaming, her voice is hoarse. Like you can tell there is sheer terror, like in that voice and you can't see anything. And of course that's the most iconic thing for the movie is like, you can't see anything. And yet it's so terrifying because your mind fills in the blanks. And I feel yeah. like that, that rest of the movie, that and like, you know, the slow burn of it, like the fact that, you know, kind of like the descent, it could be so scary and it could just stop at the fact that these kids are like stuck underground in a, uh, you yeah. know, spelunking. It could have just stopped at the fact that these kids are lost in the woods and they're losing their minds and don't have any food. But then it like ramps up a notch. Uh, Kevin thinks he saw a ghost behind nope. Alex. Not gonna do it. Not gonna do exactly. it. I don't know if you guys have seen that Hulu show Monsterland yet. Stop it with the Monsterland. Well, there was an episode with the, 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 this is the exact setup that he's on his webcam talking to friends, and then one of them notices a shadow moving around behind him, and that's how he discovers there's a ghost shadow. Yeah, in his I know. Park. I saw that one. It was dumb. Uh, so, <laughs> so here's the thing. Uh, uh, I'm gonna have to get your contact information, Kevin Fox. He knows Nightmind. He said he's a fan. I know, but I know. fan. What's your favorite Nightmind? Let me just ask you that. What's, what's your favorite Nightmind? Night it's Drew's favorite YouTube channel where the guy explains all the weird videos that Drew doesn't want to watch. I do want to so watch. She it. likes the guy oh. explaining the videos instead I, of. I like watching watch those too. Instead of having to watch the whole thing and trying to like try to figure it out and like committing yourself, this guy explains it to you in a very prefer professorial way without giving away like too many clues and then you're able to engage with the text and actually be involved let's see favorite uh night mind night mind it's okay. a it's a youtube channel where a guy explains all these walks you through all these arg videos that drew's been talking about so it's I, like mm -hmm. i said one of my favorite uh, youtube channels that uh, pretty much does that where it just like I don't want to watch watch Jeepers Creepers, but I want to find a way to kind of get over my fear. So I'll watch this little 20 minute video explaining the franchise. <laughs> so I like uh, the yeah. YouTube channel Found Flicks and Ryan Hollinger, I think his name is. But I, I like watching those two. I remember the, these guys. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I, re I really like them, the way they kind of talk about the movies. It's kind of funny to me. But he he's like, it was from Found Flicks that really turned me into, or was, like, or was it Ryan Hollinger, where they kind of introduced me to the idea of the Poughkeepsie tapes, where it's almost, it's by, it's like a serial killer. He's the one that created the, the found footage tapes and it's there. And so it's terrifying. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> well, I think, uh, sorry, we're having a little bit of audio issue. I, I was asking uh, Kevin if he wanted to get in with me on this ARG stuff. Uh, because there's some great stuff. My father, this will tell me, this might be a little bit too personal, but I'll say it anyway, because no one's donated and I want to get a little bit tipsy anyway. Uh, my Please father- pour you a shot? Yes, pour me a shot. Okay. My father uh, sent me an email recently that said, my friend is starting an alternate reality game. It's supposed to be spooky and they're looking for characters. Would you like to join in? And I said, sure, that sounds fun. So I get an email from a guy going, uh, what was it called? A dark ritual? Yeah, that right. sounds right. Yeah, some, a something ritual, like a, a satanic ritual, something like that. He's like, we'll need three hours every day or three hours every uh, week via Zoom. You're going to be participating as a character, but you're going to be creating a dark ritual. 
uh, you will have to, I wish I could bring up the thing where it's like, you have to sign a waiver saying that you are comfortable yeah. with like, oh God, a lot of things. Yeah. Like, they said it's, it's not going to get like super disturbing. Like it's not going to get like, like you're being assaulted or you're being attacked, but it's going to get very like weird and unsettling and occult and satanic and creepy. And so I was like, hey, that sounds cool. I'm in. Uh, air <laughs> and then we played nope. our well. Hmm. I wonder why dad signed me up for this. I went, dad, are you uh, doing this dark occult ritual thing? And he goes, yeah, that would be a fun way for us to bond. And I'm like, dad, you're in the <laughs> Aster movie. You would want to tell me before I show up for that first thing. And your dad is just playing like a demon. Yeah, no, my dad's just playing an occult, like a Lovecraft occultist. Yeah. Now, on the one hand, I'm very, very flattered because my father is very cool and he would only know about the coolest things. On the other hand, uh, fuck Pyman. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know how I feel about any of this. That's I terrifying. My, uh, Sancha, I'm not sure if you're if you're into this. We didn't. Uh, you want to do this, Alex, with us? I, I have no liquor on hand. So uh, here's my. Oh, yeah. here's my through quarantine with no booze. I, I'm sorry, Lon. The, oh, the reason is because I, we went through it already. Actually. Okay, so I want to. Okay, well, you know what? I'm going to let this guy back on track. And for 20 bucks, how about that? 20 bucks collectively, I will read the entirety of this batshit like email. Slash I don't think you should do that. I don't think oh, you you're right. Oh, them. you're right. You're right. You're right. You shouldn't read them all the stuff about that guy's game. Oh, God, that's right. I shouldn't. No. Oh, no. I mean, I think so far, I don't think we've crossed any borders. Oh, no. We've just talked about the very basic premise, but I don't think you should read any of the materials. Can I read the stuff that's the trigger warnings? Because that's what's the upsetting. Yes. As I think as long as it doesn't include specifics about what the nature of the actual game Fine. is going to be, because I feel like you might not want that. That's to absolutely true. I just, wanna, I just want people to know what my dad thinks is right. uh, cool for. Do, take the drink and then do this. Okay. Cheers. Skull. Skull. I think my dad's going to have mm -hmm. me like pay, mo pay mond. Is it Pyman or Pyman, by the way? I thought it was Pyman in the movie. But I could be wrong. I don't like it. Love it. Huh. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Isn't that worth 25 more of your dollars, America? Don't you want to see more Fuck of this? this. The room does not exist. How, what do I know about that? The room, this room does not exist was weird. That was, that was something I feel like I knew about. I don't about. know this room does not exist. I feel like I definitely do know about this room does not exist. It uh, sounds like this house has people in it, but it's not. This, oh, it, oh, that's why I know about it. This room does not exist is uh, one of the ones that Nightmind did. It's uh, right. it's a really creepy. Yeah, I figured. Yeah, this room, it's about a guy who uh, is part of this kind of, he's part of the self-help group, self-help group. Help, uh, self -help group. Yeah, sort of. And uh, oh no, this room is not exists. Is the one where they're all in the Matrix. Got it's it. It's really good. I can show you so many beautiful things, Kevin. What else he saying? Nettle. So many beautiful. Okay, things. wasn't it Eric? Just like Hellraiser. Okay, let's see. <laughs> Got so many terrible. Nettlebrook. Show you. I yeah, I know. I sound like <laughs> Hellraiser. Okay, uh, let's see. What other ones do I really, really oh, love? Oh my god, there's so many. Uh. Oh God! What was the one about uh, Daisy Brown and her monster? Yes, you love. Well, it, it, it's called. It's Whoa. named after the monster, but the character was Daisy, Daisy Brown. Brown. Daisy there Brown. There was whatever the mushroom Poland one was. Oh my God! That one will blow your mind. There, there's uh, there's obviously don't hug me. I'm scared. That, uh, but that's not an energy like the yeah uh, yeah. Uh, he, Nightmind does a video. There's uh, apparently there's Dad. 
There's dad. Sonia. What was that Sonia one? Oh. The, the rich girl. Whoa. There's this one that apparently is, this is just a true thing in London or off. Like there's a concert festival. That's an ARG. That's like a, it's like a steampunk community thing that involves all these different layers and like a, you know, scanning different tickets to find out different parts of the right. story. It's like yeah. basically Ren Fair, but like on crack and on ARG. And that's what I love. But this movie. Blair Witch Project, everybody. What do you think? Thoughts? Um, I know you were talking about your favorite scene in a particular movie. Now, obviously, um, I do want to talk about some of our favorite characters. And I do feel like we only touched on specifically, what's her name? Helen? Is that her name? Heather. Heather. Yes, thank you. Okay, so obviously, you know, we can talk about how the, the whole idea of the feminist angle and, you know, a lot of those things. But I do want to take a minute to kind of talk about the the, the, the male characters in this movie as well. Yes. Now, obviously, yeah, so, I mean, obviously from their perspective, you know, it's just this, like, this, this bitch is just taking him out and she's sabotaging this whole thing and you know it's a really horrible situation but i really kind of want to focus on in particular you know they're the ones to crack i feel like a lot quicker than heather you know yeah. lon what, what did you think about this you know about, yeah, I mean, about I, I those characters in particular i think it's interesting that the interpretation even here because this is true at the time the interpretation was Heather's the, the the problem. Like Heather's the yes. character yes. we're supposed to be sort of blaming She's for the situation. And they right, that they, they, people don't like Heather. But I think so much of that is coming from the guy perspective that yes. they're irritated by her, they're blaming her. When really, like, I think especially because we know that underpinning this is a supernatural causation. Like, who's mm -hmm. to say that she's genuinely at fault and it's not just these dudes are sort of blaming her. Like, I, I don't know. I think that's definitely present in the movie. The mm -hmm. idea that it might not be anyone's fault. I mean, certainly Mike is at fault for, for purposefully getting rid of what the map. What a piece of shit. And she, she, she's at fault for maybe not planning the route a little more carefully or scouting the area Although herself. it would have been possible, as we find out. But I do think that we get away from the fact that, well, none of them are at fault, really, because they are being set upon by a creature so like you wouldn't normally watch an, a horror movie you might blame like don't run upstairs to get away from the killer but you wouldn't blame them for being in their situation it's a horror movie like you're yeah. in a horror movie run okay guess what what me and my dad are gonna be doing the play test together yikes of course when did you find well that? i think well watching yes. this movie which was a uh, really we, you, like you said, you know, it feels very weird sometimes to watch horror movies and be like, obviously, no, you don't do that. Don't be an idiot. You leave at your first opportunity. Just go, go, like, hide or something. Hide, be efficient. Don't go upstairs. Do not hide in a shed with all the weapons, you know, things like that. However, when you're watching this movie, there isn't, a part, there isn't really any moment where like oh i would totally do this you know i'm i'm i would be totally better than these guys in this situation i'm a smart person yeah. you know obviously because no matter what they do as far as like leaving this potential alternate reality situation you know is they they can't leave you know they're kind of they're 
whether it's for supernatural reasons or not, they just can't leave this one particular area, no matter which direction they walk in or anything. And so it was very hard to be like, these people are stupid. Yeah, but, but I mean, I can get frustrated with them, but I never. What was also yeah. interesting, I think, was like the, and I hate to put like this 2020 like woke lens on it, but the way that it became all about her fault. And the way the guys yes. kind of made it about her fault, Mike, who had this anger issue clearly and was the last one to be invited. And the one who lost the map, like has so much anger towards her. And like the, the there's parts of it where she's just breaking. She's going, please, please, I just can't get yelled at anymore. I'm at the end of my ropes. And it's like, and you can see why it's happening because he, they're at the end of their ropes. But you're like, in another situation, this would have even turned out even worse. Like they would have assaulted her. They would have done something terrible to her. Mm -hmm. Like it, it really becomes a threat of a danger, not just to the Blair Witch, not just being lost, but the danger of these two men turning on her. Yeah, I mean, I think that there mm -hmm. is also a way that the camera is putting us, like the camera's kind of the fourth character. And so we become, through viewing it, sort of the fourth character. So we become part of that We're complicit. dynamic, whether we want to be or not we find ourselves picking sides, deciding who's at fault, getting caught up in, you, these guys need to stop arguing and get back on the trail. Like you keep being presented with those kinds of scenarios where there's two mm -hmm. of them talking about the third one or one of them talking about the other one in the camera and we become complicit exactly like Drew mm -hmm. was saying, like we become part of the scenario through that. And so I think that kind of clouds everything. I don't really think there's a lot of objective like Oh, I think the the bulk of the fault here lies with Heather, or I think Mike yeah. shouldn't have done this, or Josh shouldn't have said that. Yeah. I think it's all too clouded mm -hmm. by the subjectivity of who's filming and who's talking and what moments are we seeing versus what moments aren't we seeing. I mean, what's really crazy, and that's the other thing, is like it, it seems edited in a way, and I hate to bring up like the movie like The Endless, where the where the creature is editing and trying to show them something. Why was this the final cut that someone found in the woods? There were clearly moments that were cut. There were clearly they would have run out of batteries. Why was this well, the finished product that 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 the Blair Witch or whoever? I mean, I think you know Kevin can obviously speak to some of this, but I, I I do think I think it's presented on one level as this is just what they shot. Like this is literally when they hit the button to record or took their finger off the record button. Yeah, this is the record, and it has not been doctored. So I think that I think there is a level on which you're well, like you're not wrong. Yeah. That there are moments that are edited, and it is clearly sort of there mm -hmm. was a, a, another layer to it. And of course, we know that practically from the fact that it's a movie. But uh, I think you could view it either way, which makes it interesting. There's yeah. a tension there. Like you could view this in the way the, the the fictional version of like literally somebody found their camera and took the tape out and put it in, and you're watching it. Um, there is. What did somebody who added the credits in the beginning and who added the text and right. did those people change anything? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the what? thing. It's mm -hmm. like when the credits rolled, who found the footage? Who decided to market this? Who decides? Yeah, right. Yeah, I think yeah. What's like what's something I thought I think is interesting about this movie is that this movie only took like a few weeks to shoot in theory, but the thing is, the editing behind this movie it took like eight or nine months. So almost a year as far as the editing process behind this movie. So the hard part, um, when it comes to found footage, the most, uh, just like in any movie, you can argue that editing is the most important 
aspect of a movie because if you edit it the wrong way, the entire tone of the movie can shift. You can remove plot holes. You can en right. enter them, enter them. Yeah, there's so many really great things. There, there can be a lot of really great movies that are so badly edited where it just ruins the movie. And if you have a really great movie that is edited really well, you don't realize it. And so, you know, with a found Good footage point. movie like this, it's very, it's very surprising how natural it really comes across, if that makes sense. Um, you know, especially compared noticed, to a lot of found footage now. What I noticed is something that it was a very subtle thing, but like I noticed it as being a very important thing, which is when Heather freaks out uh, and she starts screaming, she screams and the the mic doesn't blow. Like she's not blowing out the mic. Mm -hmm. And it's a very subtle thing, but it's like in a real camera, you would blow out the mic. She's screaming, Mike! She's screaming, I can't even do it. I could try to do it, but people might get mad. Mike! You know, like she's doing like that and that would usually blow out a mic. Now they clearly had high tech equipment. It's not like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Where like it's like terrible audio. The right. audio on this was great, much like Scare Me, a movie I know we have conflicting feelings about. No, we great, didn't. Great, we both great sound care. design. Great sound design. <laughs> that's what I'll say about that. Uh, and yeah, that's all. And that's all. <laughs> and I'm, I mean, I'm just really curious about like the the experience that they had to go through to feel this amount of strain, this amount. Of Pressure. I do think you're on some level like they are actors. Like, are they? Are, were they? Yes. Like the part of it is acting. This is not pure amateur hour. They just threw them in the woods sure. and terrified them. Like, I feel like they it did, might... but they are like that. It's like when people like like it's not to say that Kubrick was not cruel to Shelley Duvall on the set of The oh, Shining. Definitely was, but I think that sometimes people take that away from the fact that she's also a brilliant actress. Like. That uh -huh. is still uh -huh. acting. Mike was actually a really good song guy. It's a perfect, it's a perfect note. Right. <laughs> but like they are, like, I don't want to totally take away the performances that three, these three give, which is mm -hmm. solid. And they always knew they were in a movie. They were never, nobody right. really was chasing them through the woods well, with an axe. No, no. We, we had that interview yesterday. We, they knew they were in a the movie. They didn't know if they were going to be fucking murdered no, by these. But that's what Heather said like the first day. She's like, when I went out into the woods with these guys, I didn't know what they were really planning. And imagine being but a woman. day five. Imagine being a woman. And yeah, day five, day eight, you haven't had anything to eat or whatever. I, being a woman with these two guys, I would not feel safe. I, I, I I'm not, I don't think to discount what you're saying. Like that's definitely an element there, but I, but, I would hesitate. But, but. Well, I would hesitate to say the entire performance is just the directors yeah, being I, clever about scaring people and not acting. They're, they all had trained, they were, like she knew she was in a movie yelling right. and being scared. After eight days with no food though, do you think that that was acting? Yes, yes, it's still like in the in Titanic, they are blasting Leo and Kate with cold water for days. Those, but they're still acting. I just think I, that I the, think the stuff that comes off is super real, like the fights, which are 90% of this movie are real fights. I, I don't I, I don't think that's fair. It's not a documentary. Look at how we're fighting, and we're not even lost in the woods yet. <laughs> you guys are lost in the okay. woods. I'm not just to clarify. Um, I, I, yeah, I do think that there, you know, there is something to be said about, like I said, you know, these, these are very genuine performances. They were obviously put under a lot, a lot of strain. There was a lot of moments that felt 
so genuine, especially the moments in the tents. But there are some moments where, you know, I'm like, you're acting, you're acting really, really good, you know, but you're still acting, you know, it just comes down to it. They were trained actors put under so much stress and everything. Can't imagine. Yeah, uh, but they were, good. they knew they were shooting a movie. Uh, they knew yeah, they were shooting a movie. Plus we also age. don't know. Yeah. We also don't know realistically if there were more people behind the scenes that we don't know about. Yes. It like, as far as we know, there was like those three, there's three, four people like that went into the woods, but hypothetically there could have been 10 people that were specifically exclusively offering that we will never ever see. But they didn't. So Kevin's point is really good. They were not given much food or sleep or in in camping the whole time. They were left alone and only given notes occasionally, but they, but they were acting true. That's what I'm saying. And I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm just saying at a certain point without food, without stuff, you're acting level like mm-hmm. where you're able to act like you're you're acting but you're also like you're dehydrated yeah, you're it's, hungry it's a combination of all and these you yeah i just don't i i, I whenever this comes up because these kinds is of there conversations a reason that Heather is no, no longer an actor that mike was no longer an actor that none of them decided well, to act I mean, after who this knows? like who, who knows what what happened it could be you know like hey I, kevin do you know what things. happened do you think maybe they were too scared to ever be in a movie again <laughs> But having done this, I I would be offended if I was one of them and I was watching this and you were like, those poor people, they just got tortured and then they left the industry. No, 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 no. First of all, they were in Burkittsville, Maryland. So I'm not saying they were in the industry. I'm saying they made, like you said yesterday, it's kind of a no thing, but one great piece of art. I agree. I I just don't want to read too much. Like, I I, I just like when people, I feel like this happens sometimes that people describe the circumstances of making a movie and that it like discounts the work that everyone was doing. How about you and me? We go in the woods, eight days. I have a couple of friends like, you know, don't worry, they'll be they'll be on backup. Uh, we'll bring like two days worth of food. We'll stay there eight days. And, and then what, we'll see how the acting what's goes. What's the point you're trying to make that they don't, they weren't acting? They would just, no, they, they there was a documentary and they were in a real situation and everything. They were pushed to uh, a level of extremism that created an amazing, an amazing, like in very hyper real. My God, like what you're right. screaming, you know, like that, <laughs> you know, like that, what they were doing I, was. I'm just saying based. it's a combination. It's not one or the other. That's all I'm saying. I think we can all agree on is that it is a combination of all things. You know, it's, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of behind the scenes as much as, as great as a story as, you know, the Blair Witch Project is on screen. There's so much behind the scenes that we don't know about that really adds to the feel to the fire as far as really makes you curious about the filming of this movie. Now, um, I do think though, it's actually a really great time. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, that's very true. Thank you, uh, Kevin, for sure. And, uh, I think we have time to go to our next segment because we are clocking in at over an hour and a half. This is amazing. You know, so we are going to be. Glad Kevin has been here for this. <laughs> yes, thank you so much, Kevin. Really appreciate it. We are going to be moving on to some of our uh, you know, next big segments. Um. You know, we talked about favorite scenes, our favorite lines. Now, I do think, obviously, I don't think we need to go over lines all that much, you know, because, you know, it's in a, it's a movie that's focused on improv. So, oh, okay. Drew's got, Drew's got a few lines. Where he goes, where he goes, I, I kicked in the fucking river. I kicked the Mac in the fucking river. He's like, I'm sorry, I don't fucking know. He's like, I wasn't doing a bit action for us. Like that level of, like that level of like hilarity. I'm not sure if you've ever hit this, but that level of like, Things are going so shitty that it's actually become funny. Like it's looped around, become hysterical. He's right. like, I love, I knocked the fucking half in the river. Amazing line. Amazing line. The way she de- 
and you're right, Heather's an amazing actress. The way she delivers these lines in such a like a little like a micromanaging, mm -hmm. but like still very scared way. I just want to know that you have. I just want to know that you have a map. I'll feel better if you have a map. I just yes, want to know. I like that. I was actually going to bring that that scene up where where she's like trying to sort of reason <laughs> with them. Yeah. And she thinks they're screwing with her, and they're like. I can't. I can't even have this argument with you. And she keeps. She keeps instigating and poking at them. Yeah. I like well, that. she. Well, she carries. Well, she's always and also vice versa. Whereas she keeps kind of instigating them, but uh, she also starts. She is like filming. In theory, she's like filming at points where he, the both guys are like, "We're not comfortable right now. Please just stop. Put down the camera. We do not yeah. want to do this." You know. And so I. You know. That's a very frustrating you know, moments be and even now, I mean, like the moments we put on a moments where you like turn on a camera or, or, or something like that, you naturally will be like, well, now it's time to smile for the camera kind of things. So you naturally kind of turn, I don't want to say into another person, but you naturally kind of want to put your best face forward, I guess, yeah, to a certain extent. Technique. I think especially when the thing, when they grab the camera from her and they go, Hey, how's it feel? And it's one of these things that now, uh, comes off as cliche, but at the time was totally novel. Being like, how does it feel to have the camera turned on you? I can see this is not reality. That's like a real, that's a real moment for her. Like, and it's a real beat because, right. right, you're hiding behind the camera. Like, I think that's so well done. Uh, I think that, you know, the stuff in the beginning, I thought was incredibly well done. I'm not sure if those people were actors. Those seem like Burkittsville, uh, like people to me. Like that, that, the, the, right, the people telling the stories. The reason, the, yeah, I think. I mean, I don't. I, the, the kid who's like, no. Right, is pawing at her face. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think those are real actors. I'm not sure, Kevin. You can, you can. Some of them might be real. Some mm -hmm. might be. Real. But I feel like those were definitely uh, real Burkittsville people. Uh, yeah, I love that scene. That scene's great. Uh, I heard some stuff about they wouldn't tell them what was going to happen at night. So when they were like getting pounded on by, right. the, you know, uh, it reminds me of my ninth birthday party, which was Are You Afraid of the Dark? Oh, uh, of course it was. Yes, it was. it was. And around we got like fire oh, the fire council to have like a little, you know, pit. And we told scary mm -hmm. stories around 10 p.m. We all crawled into our bunks or like into our little like tents. And then around 11 p.m. we hear. I love you. Oh no! Love me and scratching at the like tent. We are happy. It was just Spain at first, and coming closer. So we unzip the tent. Giant, like Godzilla-sized, fucking uh, Barney, just wow. just lumbering around. It wasn't trying really to, Godzilla It was big size okay. Barney trying to lumber in and <laughs> trying to lumber in a tent. So you know, because we have the bravery of nine-year-olds. We just rush at him and we start tearing off his like oh, tearing no. off his dinosaur claws, tearing it off, whatever. And he's trying to run away. He's going, Oh my god, no, no, this is this has to be returned on Monday. It was my father, yeah, of course. In a Barney suit. <laughs> mm -hmm. Uh that was but I but I'll always remember that as my my fight re my fight response. That's right. how I was you're you now know if you were ever attacked in the woods by Barney, yeah. you would go at him. Yeah, and that happened to me once too with the guy with wearing a scream mask. And it turns out I punched him in the face. Uh, it turned out to be a friend of my uh, friend Jen's, and it was all set up. Don't attack people in a ghost face mask, or you might get punched. That's the rule. Well, last thing is, ghost face was trying to climb up uh, a, a treehouse, and I punched him in the fucking face, uh, and he fell down. He broke his arm. I had to pay for his. Uh, oh wow! I mean, that is a risk of. Dressing up like Ghostface and surprise. Yeah, well, like, yeah, you, you get you get what you pay. For. I know what kind of person I am. 
girl, you get it. Uh, yeah, it, it comes down. To, okay, so those were some of our the thoughts we had about obviously about some of these characters' favorite lines, and that was definitely one of the best scenes throughout the entire movie. I couldn't agree more. Um, and so those were some of our biases, our thoughts were on this movie. I do want to take a moment to really highlight to some of our viewers and their thoughts around this movie as well. Um, we actually have a video from a good friend of mine, uh, you know, Scott. He, I'm sorry. I said, what? We've, we've got a video even though the wrong email. That's awesome. Yay. Yeah, it wasn't sent to that e email. He just sent it to me personally, actually. But uh, we have a video from a friend of mine, Sky, who has a lot of really big thoughts surrounding this movie. So if you can pull it up real quickly. I do know uh, Sean is going to be doing that here in a second. So Alex asked me to send in a video because uh, my one of my favorite horror movies is The Blair Witch Project. Um, I really love the movie. It kind of just makes me scared to even be doing this sort of video thing like they do in the movie. But um, I find it uh, a really effective horror movie. I find it really scary because uh, for the main reason why is, is because of the fear of the unseen, right? For me, at least, a lot of what fear and scaring in horror movies about is about is not necessarily about what actually is waiting around the corner for us, but what we think is waiting around the corner for us. Oftentimes our imagination can dream up something that is worse than what is actually waiting for us, whatever creature is there around the corner. And that's what the Blair Witch Project is all about, because you know, you, know, you never see the Blair Witch, obviously. Uh, and so as a result, I think your imagination is left to run wild, and the image you create in your head um, is probably something very, very scary because all you have is the characters' reactions to go off of, and obviously they are uh, they are very scared about uh, you know the second half of the movie particularly. Um, I love the realistic feel of it. I love uh, you know the way that this sort of invented the found footage genre. Um, I just find stuff that is realistic um, a lot more. Uh, scary than, you know, your average ghost goblin movie um, that, you know, rel relies more on the supernatural. And obviously that ending, I think, is phenomenal. That final shot is is one of the scariest things you'll see in the film. And there are just a lot of formal tricks throughout the entire movie that I think make it something that holds up today, not just as a film that is influential, but as a film that is actually incredibly well done and effective and probably never bettered still in the found footage genre. So, yeah, I love the movie. <laughs> um, I think Scott, again, a good friend of mine, he loves horror movies. He, uh, he really loves the idea of found footage movies in particular, but you know, like a lot of genres, sometimes they don't always live up to the expectation, but this movie in particular, he did mention was his favorite. So thank you so much to him for, you know, putting that together and sending it to me. Um, we also had another, uh, we had a comment from a really awesome viewer fan. His name is Vernon. He said, he, he, uh, he mentioned on Twitter earlier today. This is a very pivotal film in cinema. I love this movie as it is uh, as it was a getaway to the new generation of movies, interactions of the internet, and so much more. Uh, yeah, couldn't put it better myself, honestly, Vernon, for sure. You know, it's uh, you know this movie it did a lot for you know for cinema. You know, it kind of really cr it created a new genre of films, inspired a new. A generation of filmmakers, obviously, a lot of people like Scott, you know, were, you know, like, you know, very young seeing that movie for the first time growing up with this kind of, you know, found footage, like as an option, you know, when it comes to making their introduction to film is like really great. It's really awesome to really kind of see that, you know, really kind of put into action overall. 
Yeah. Lon, oh. Lon, now, overall, we kind of talked about our biases, our favorite moments, favorite characters and everything. I want to know, what is your biggest thought, your biggest, what what is your thesis behind this movie? Your biggest, boldest thought surrounding Blair Witch Project. I mean, I, I feel like in some ways it's it's a it's a fun movie to revisit just as a movie, and I, I still think it is pretty effective, especially if you haven't ever seen it before. Uh, but I, I also feel like this is kind of a movie that could never happen again. Like that, I will never have the same experience with a new movie that I had with this movie. If only because yes. even independent films, even smaller films, you hear about them. Like this movie was at Sundance, but most people didn't hear about it until that summer when it opened theatrically. Like I did because I was working at Premier Magazine and people who followed that stuff were. But for the for a mainstream audience, this movie came out in the summer out of nowhere. And it was, hey, here's this found footage thing, Blair Witch. And you went in new and fresh. And now the internet and film Twitter and the news cycle being what it is, everybody would know going in. Here's what this is. It's fake. These are actors. Mm -hmm. It's found footage, whatever. And I don't think you'd ever be able to truly replicate the experience of giving yourself over to an experience like Blair Witch, not knowing exactly what you're in for and having that process of discovery as you watch and figuring out, oh, this is entirely faked. Uh, all of these things were, were set up. They're not really, you know, lost in these woods. It's just a camera crew or whatever. Um, so yeah, I almost feel like it's interesting kind of as a historical document at this point as well of like this other era in independent cinema when you could pull off a hoax like this. I, I think you're right on the money there. I, I do think it is a perfect example. It's probably one of the most perfect examples of a, of a time capsule film. This movie could not have been done any earlier or later as successfully as it was circa 1999. And yeah. you know, the the really the way it hit audiences, the internet was first coming together with uh, you know, viral marketing, you know, uh, IMDB, you know, things like that, you know, they really really put it to perfect use. The, you know, uh, you know with the marketing, the whole thing with uh, you know, with the missing people and everything, you know, it was to me, it is like the perfect example of a time capsule kind of film overall. Okay, so I do I do want to say thank you so much again to Vernon, to Sky, you know, for sending those our way. And again, if you guys have any, you know, big bold thoughts and you have any like a big opinions, whether you love a movie, hate a movie, when it comes to any of our future picks, please let us know. We would love to know your opinions and just uh, we want to make this interactive for you guys, you know, here at Cinema Bias. Okay, so we are going to be diving into our last segment of uh, tonight's episode. Great. If, uh, was this a costume change? Hold yeah. On. That holds oh. up. That holds up. Wait, holds up. no, I'm going to do a real costume change. Let's do okay. a real costume change. Right. <laughs> We're going to go into our last segment. Uh, you know, overall, does it hold up. Now, I did just say that, uh, you know, my personal thesis surrounding this movie is that this is a perfect example of a time capsule of a film. Now, with that being said, I do, I, it does 100% hold up in terms of the characters, the script, the vibe, the tone of the movie and everything, obviously. What does not age well, I feel like is, um, uh, I don't want to say the ending because to me, the ending does kind of age well. Um, but the thing is, I, I think it, but like, like, like Drew was saying, you know, with like, woke 2020 and all that good stuff, you know, you know, 
like the the whole idea of this woman going into a forest with two guys she barely knows and they're lost you know um it definitely would be on the forefront of everyone's mind nowadays and so uh that would probably be the only thing that doesn't age well in theory because they would have to they would probably like change it to be like a five person group where there's like more female characters or something um instead of like the three person troop just so they can you know put the idea of uh, the idea of sexual assault you know away you know you know because as if it, we wouldn't want it to distract from the potential true terror of the witch or suspended in reality or whatever it might be so that is my idea of you know whether it does hold up but i do think like 99.9 .9, it does hold up yeah, I, mean, I think it holds up really well considering, I mean, I definitely think this is one of those movies that suffers from, you know, even if you haven't seen this movie, you've seen so many of the other movies that came in its wake that it feels very familiar now in a way that when it was made, it would not have felt familiar at all. Mm. Now, audiences sort of get the Blair Witch has joined us, everybody. The Blair Witch is here. Is that what the Blair Witch looks like? This is what the Blair Witch looks like. This is why it's so hard to see her in the woods because it's pitch black already. Perfect. Camouflage. It's right. So you, you're, you're like looking around like, what is that? What is that? Where is that? And you're like, well, you can't see. There's some girls screaming, Heather, what the fuck is that? <laughs> I go, I don't know. I can't. What is it? Are you one of the people Blair Witch yelling, what the fuck is that? Just to what mess with them? What the fuck is that? Who are those kids? <laughs> yeah, so you are you were scared of Josh and Mike. And I Heather. was scared of the children noises. Ah, I see. So they were disturbing you. Oh, got it. No, no, no. I mean, I, children scare me. So, but whose baby was that? I don't know. Oh, there's also a baby lost in the woods. I, I can apparently, actually, apparently from the circa 1940s, there were like ten kids that died in like span of a few years. Well, well, they made they one, yeah. one got murdered yeah. while the other faced the wall. Can I just? Can I just? Uh, but yes, this is my it was mentioned even more so in the sequel. <laughs> is that a hashtag? Not all witches. I know that we've gotten some bad reputations in some movies, but not all witches want your stupid children. <laughs> your children are dumb they yell a lot it's really hard to separate them from the pack we don't want your kids okay so if you see if you hear your kids if they're in the woods somewhere go get them they're crazy they creep us out we don't want to have to keep feeding them i understand i mean if you're a witch living solo what do you want with a baby you know um, now I'm trying to live deliciously. Yeah, that's uh, another mouth a, to feed. Yeah. Not with an infant newborn. Yeah, I agree. That seems mm. like a lot more trouble than it's worth. Yeah. Unless you're hungry. Unless it's like a yeah. It's more like a facial regimen like thing. Yeah. And you know, can I be mm -hmm. honest? It's bunk. It's an MLM. Oh wow. Just, yeah. Oh, it's uh, oh, it's dude. Like the I do, oh my gosh. Yeah. That, that's real. <laughs> if, if we want to talk about, okay, I would love to see a horror movie that's like based off the premise of an MLM. Yeah, uh, I would love to see down. that go down. Yeah, oh. Not great. Uh, the invitation is sort of like that. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, one hundred percent. I saw that. I thought of invitation. Yeah. Oh, I was gonna say uh, the sound of my voice. Have you seen that one? The sound of my voice is very much yeah, like that. Yeah, that's. Have you seen that sound of my voice with no, Rick Marlin? I have not. It's by the people who did the OA. Yeah. Wait, oh, can we do a cinema bias on that mm -hmm. one? I love that movie. Okay, that one's great. James Arbidiak is in it. It's the yes, idea. Yes. It's the idea of playing around with what is like what is cults versus what is right. I mean, I think endless is another. Good yeah, one. it's like two journalists, and they're going to embed themselves in this cult that worships this woman who she would like missing. What, what? What's her? What's her story? She was like 
She said she's from the future. Oh, and I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Were they dressing like white and stuff? Yes, yes. So that's it's yeah. At first, they think they're just investigating, like she's running this cult, it's a scam. And then one of them starts to maybe believe that it's true. And it becomes like the dynamic of the couple. And it's so good. It's hey, so good. The mm-hmm. Endless, uh, another great film. Yeah, that, that's great. That's mm-hmm. a great companion piece to other ones. But it's about the idea of, What's the difference really between a cult and MLM and and something that actually is very dangerous, like a Lovecraftian idea? Yeah. And and uh, I, it's, uh, the sound of my voice. Yeah, the sound of my voice is the Bryn Mawr. Mm-hmm. Right. What's the one about the guy who thinks he's schizophrenic, or he he's schizophrenic, but he his best friend is? We've talked about this earlier. He think he's crazy, but his friend is like, I'll give it in your hands. Oh, 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 right. With the monsters. Yeah. Yeah, I'll look, I'll look that up. Uh, uh, they're talking to you or something, because that one got listens to a lot of MLM, too. Yeah. I would say the Alexandra Jaria feature, uh, what was that called? That, har- that har- not horrible movie. What was it called? Is With it the, the one We Summon the Darkness? We Summon the Darkness yeah. uh, has a little bit of that. So, yeah. There's a lot of great ways that we can be talking about cults these days, especially because cults are... Yeah. Whether we call them that or not, there are a lot of what's going on in it's, America. Uh, right now. They look like people. They look like people. That's the one. Incredible they stuff. look like people. It's a 2015 horror film, and it's about a guy who he's convinced that, like, there are. An old friend. Yeah. And he comes back and he visits his old friend, and he's convinced that, like, there are monsters posing as people everywhere. They're like pod people taking over people's bodies. And his friend is like, no, man, you have a history of mental illness and you're off your meds. You just need to get back on your meds. And the whole movie, like, doesn't let you know. Like, is this just this guy is having a crazy episode or because we're only seeing from his perspective and there are monsters like the sacrament another great one which yeah. is basically uh reimagining the jim jo- the jim jones uh massacre but from the perspective of two guys from vice magazine right like they're like there down. to cover it yeah, yeah. amy simon's great amy simon's doing anything is particularly wonderful uh upstream well, Drew, we kind of uh, mentioned real quickly, uh, we talked about, well, also this movie actually kind of spawned, uh, in, at least in its in its movies, it kind of almost like a cult, you know, an inspired kind of group thing. Now, we kind of talked about Lon's, we kind of talked about Lon's, you know, thesis about this movie. I, I did, I, Lon talked about how this movie really... Um, uh, it was like it's it's one of the why is it it's such a great a really great ageless film. I talked about how this movie in particular is to me it's one of the best examples of a time capsule film that couldn't have come out any earlier or any later of a film, and it's a great example of it. But I want to know what's your biggest boldest thought surrounding this movie. I think the biggest bullet saw about this movie was I watched it as a double feature of eyes wide shut. And then I was, <laughs> and I was like, I was a very, I was like, I was right at that perfect age. I had just started high school and I was like, what the hell are movies? This movie, like between eyes wide shut, Kubrick's last film, very like every shot was like, you know, just detailed out to the fun. You know, it was just very Kubrick to this movie that was all handheld mm-hmm. footage. I got nauseous. I had to leave the theater like three times because I was about to throw up from sitting in the front row of this shaky cam thing. I remember this being like, this is the beginning of my cinematic like experience. This is me understanding movies as more than just entertainment, but as like a visceral true thing that can speak to us. So uh, yeah, I think this is that this movie is incredibly important. I mean, yeah. I'm not sure. What's funny is I can't imagine from your perspective how this movie could have seen like any interesting or any different than a hundred other movies you've seen. 
but uh, at the time it was so revolutionary. It's kind of like those other movies that you're like, yeah, you have to love The Wire, but you don't have to love The Wire. You can love the other movies that are TV shows that have been built on the back of The Wire. You, I mean, you, you should probably love The Wire. Yeah, except for season five where there's like, you know, McNulty goes around and pretends like there's a serial killer for homeless people. Is season five? Yep. Okay. That's, I, I, that's that's rough. That's rough. Uh, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of love for this potential Eyes Wide Shut Blair Witch uh, double feature situation. And I think what's a really great question from Jonathan Caro. Uh, we're going to take a, some, a few just a few quick questions before leaving you guys today. Just a few quick questions from the chat. Jonathan Caro asks: If three Schmodan personalities were to do their own Blair Witch project, who would oh they be? Oh my god! Great question. Thank you so much. <laughs> So it's going to be me. I'm going to be Heather, right? Of course. Tom's going to be Tom because he's not going to, he's not going to say jack shit. Uh, he's just going to be calm. So he's leading you into the woods to see a dead body. No, Tom is going to woods to see a dead body, but he will never yell at me. Uh, he'll of probably carry over hard, like, difficult labor. And then I'm going to uh, add in Zach, uh, Zach Snyder. I'm going to throw in Jeff Snyder just so we have some tension. So the whole thing could Surprise. go like belly up real quick because I don't want to spend eight days in the woods. So I figure bringing uh, either Snyder or Roca makes this thing happen in three days or less. Like the whole the whole thing's gonna like explode. In three yeah, days that's or less. it. They're gonna kill each other yeah. before the Blair Witch shows up. Yeah, the Blair Witch is gonna be like coming, and be like, "What the hell? What you guys do, guys? Guys? I didn't even get a chance to finish making my stick men yet. I gotta tell you something. That's messed up. <laughs> that's messed mm. up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely think at some point there's that I would probably say um I, I think it would be funny to see Dagnino in there. I, I would love to see him a lost in the woods with a potential getting lost or not lost or trying to figure things out. Um him being stuck in say with Shannon. <laughs> Ooh, Can you imagine? <laughs> That and heck, let's throw in the other person, Kaiser. Let's just do a, like a three manager situation. That'd be hilarious. Now, yours is all about the horror aspects. Mine is just like, it's just pure comedy gold. Yeah. Changing my mind to survivor skills, nerd chronic, Tom, me. And I'm the one who's yeah. hysterical. In fact, let's get of me course. out of there. So it's going to be Tom, <laughs> it's going to be Eric, and who's gonna, who's got Rachel Cushing. And they'll make it yes. there. Like they'll Absolutely. get it out like a minute. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of love in the chat yeah. for Mark Hoyk. Uh, you know, that zipper, Dewberry, Makuga. Can you imagine Makuga in this movie? Makuzo. Uh Makuga. I think you definitely want in your team of the Blair Witch Hunters. No, not Makuga in a horror It's not. It's not meant to be like a like a who would survive. What would be like the best? Who would be the best defense or anything? It's just like who you could throw off. That's a very different. That's a very different conversation. It would just be like, what would be the most fun or best? Which one would you want to participate in? Molly Damon, me, and I'm gonna. Put Liz Shannon Miller, and we're getting the fuck out of there. And if not, we're gonna go live deliciously. Yeah, deliciously? Joining the Blair Witch. Yeah, I'm point. sorry. I'm not sure exactly what the parameters here. We yeah. will be joining the Blair yeah, Witch. Yeah, you're just finding that cabin and moving in yourself. Live deliciously. You know, I respect that. I respect that. And Mara, and we're gonna just be eating butter. Uh, come find us if you dare. 
Uh, we are not expecting you, nor do we particularly want your presence. Uh, yeah, not if you're a man. Definitely. I'm into that. I'm into that. <laughs> um, yeah, again, thanks. So uh, if you have any more questions, we are going to call it quits in just a few minutes. We're clocking in just under two hours. So if you have any oh, wow. questions, oh, wow. comments, or anything along those lines, please let, please let us know before we kind of wrap things up over here. Um, okay, so before, while we are waiting for some questions, you know, Drew, um, you know, just to start off, you know, where can we find you, your beautiful face? My beautiful what, what, whatever it is you're doing. Let's start with Lon because it's his beautiful face that gets to talk because he's the guest. Okay, Lon, if you want to get in here. There you go. Yeah. Lon, where can we find your beautiful face and Taco's beautiful face? Uh, you can find me at L-O-N-S on Twitter. Uh, that's where I share all my stuff. Just just find me there. Uh, and then here's Taco. You can find him in my arms. <gasps> You can also oh, the dogs are available. Oh, we're right. It's his birthday. It is. It's well, it's his adopt. It, Happy birthday. Two years Taco. ago today, I adopted Taco. Happy birthday, boy. <laughs> um, so guys, uh, you can you also don't be humble. You can also find him on all of my shows for the most part. For the most part. And if you ever need to physically find him, you figure out where Eric lives because he's probably in the garage here somewhere. Like find Drew on camera and then look in the spot next to him. Yep. Uh how about myself? Uh, you can find me at Video Drew uh, is like the thing for everything. So social media, YouTube, you know, Twitch, everything on Video Drew. Uh, one word. Video Drew is one word like Mr. Peanut Butter. On Mondays and Thursdays, we do the Video Chronic Pop Culture Quiz. I can announce it. Tomorrow we have a very special. Thursday. Thursday Tomorrow's Wednesday. Uh, whoops. Thursday we have a very special uh, quiz. It's going to be Mark Riley coming on to take a Friday the 13th mega franchise quiz against who uh well we're still figuring that out lon's gonna be involved i'm gonna be involved but we need to find someone who's maybe a little bit better than than me and lon to do this uh i've been studying but i don't know i want to see if we can bring up the caliber of uh people who know about friday the 13th now i kind of want to do it just so i can participate i want to find someone who's like i want to find tom savini or somebody (laughs) (laughs) i'm bringing someone who actually Let's get on the horn. I want to like do Mark right, so I want to like bring in someone who's really a ringer. I understand. Not a ringer. Kevin, Kevin, are there any movies that you feel like you know so well that you'd be quizzed on? Is there like a random? Is there like a random movie? Is there like Mortal Kombat Annihilation? Like a random? Is it like a random sequel or something that you feel like you could you know like the back of your hand? For me, a movie I know, no matter which way, I know. Pride and Prejudice from 2005 with Rosemary Pike and Carrie Mulligan. Ah, Kevin, I love that Kevin, version. Kevin, Kevin, how well do you know uh, Friday the 13th movies? Like, like really? Like, really? The movies, like the franchise or just the first movie? No, the whole franchise. Oh, I'm talking about oh, Jason. Oh. I'm talking Jason in space. I'm talking Freddy versus Jason. I'm talking Jason's That's dead. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the third one where he puts on the Hossie mask. Mm-hmm. I've talked about the second one where it's uh, apparently some it's big burlap, <gasps> oh, Brothers Bloom! Ah, Brothers Bloom. I love that movie. You want me to get Ryan Johnson on here? I gotta get Ryan no. Johnson on here to moderate no. the Brothers Bloom one. Oh my gosh, I love that movie. I love that movie so much. Oh, the Let's score. That. He knows a couple favors. Mm-hmm. I actually, Ryan Johnson actually coming on to the Brothers Bloom. You heard it here first. That's going to definitely happen. Uh, what film I are we going to catch? Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was like, I call Brothers Bloom. I will 
It is by far one of my personal top 10 favorite movies ever made. This is going to have to wait till the end of uh, October because we're doing only scary movies in October. So that's what we're going to be doing. So we can get RJ in in, in the garage, you know? Who's RJ? No big deal. Okay. I was going to get into a mush. Love it. John Gallagher Jr. Yes. Okay, no, but otherwise, you can find us on our uh, letterbox that we have for Cinema Bias. You can search it by searching Cinema Bias. Uh, not the one that Trevor made, which is just the ones we've already covered, but uh, the one that's on my account. So if you go to Video Drew Letterbox or if you go to uh, Alex, mm-hmm. what's your letterbox? Uh, uh, it's just title? my first and last name. It's literally Alex Shawshank. Alex Shawshank, she uh, also has a list of Cinema Bias movies that one or both of us haven't seen. So you can come on. If you are a Patreon of a certain tier, you can come on and talk to us about a movie that one of us hasn't seen and you want to school us on it, or we could give you a movie that we think you should know. There's a ton of them. Uh, otherwise, please, every time we, we're going to start trying to announce these things earlier so you have time to come in and make a video and talk to us about why these movies are important to you. We're really talking about movies that, uh, for all intents and purposes, uh, we should have seen by now. Yeah, I said purposes. Uh, yeah, I know. We should have seen by now, but I have, but should have hit our blind spot. Uh, otherwise, you can find me at uh, patreon.com backslash video drew. That's where we do all. Yeah, yeah. Alex is like a new person on the Discord. We do a lot of fun stuff. We do uh, Mondays and Thursdays video, video chronic pop culture quiz. We do Tuesday cinema bias over here. We do Wednesdays. That's when like the stuff gets interesting for the Patreon because that's when we do our private study sessions we do our like lots of fun stuff we do movie watch alongs on sundays we do video karaoke which has become the best part of my week for some reason even though i started hating karaoke saturdays are other kind of movie watch alongs sundays is live in the dark with video true that is a show which apparently now have qvc where i sell stuff <laughs> as uh, of this week yeah. as of this week i sell stuff on it and it's all in kayfabe so i'm gonna be just video drew uh and that's hosted by me and danny my co-host we're gonna have to have you back on real soon alex for the for some more crow wars um and that's at 9 p.m otherwise check me out check cash me outside i'll be doing a lot more um you can you can find me on a handful of places like mentioned a letterbox you can also find me on twitter at real underscore alex mike you can also find me with the called action podcast i uh i have a show called Schmobates where if I can find it on here, that'd be great. It's called, uh, call, uh, participate with one called Call to Action, where we talk about a lot of things when it comes to Schmodown. And my show in particular is called Schmobates, where we debate all things Schmodown. Tomorrow's going to be a quirky Mercs themed episode. We have Mark Kanopic debating a nationally ranked debater is going to be coming on. So that's going to be pretty fun. She is literally a nationally ranked debater. Right. So, okay. Yeah. Is the ghost joke, so. Kevin Smith? You don't have to tell me, but. It's, I'm, I'm scared. I'm so excited. I want to see, look at what Kevin's saying about Brothers Bloom. It's my favorite. It's best. The best movie ever made. And then also. That's a bold statement, but that is wonderful. I love that movie so much. Adrian Brody, Mark Ruffalo. No. Kevin, uh, Kevin looks like he's on the show to see it to show us a scary movie or two. So that's yes, awesome. that would awesome. be pretty awesome. I'm really excited yes. to um, Kevin. 
<laughs> yes, uh, thank you so much for hopping on with us, Kevin. We really, really appreciate it. If you have any, like your, like I said, we want to know your biggest, boldest thoughts, feel free to shoot us an email. It should be in the description box below at cinemabiaspod uh, uh, at gmail.com. So definitely shoot us a little paragraph there, a sentence, a statement, whatever it might be, a video. It's all good, pictures. And yeah, we'd love to hear, get your input on some of our movies. Next week, next Tuesday, we have an amazing guest. Amazing guest. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Drew, who are we having on next week? Okay. So, guys. Guys. Last name. Favorite, favorite type of thing in a garment that you use to clasp. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be Eric Zipper from the Dungeon. Uh, yes! He's like, he's done like, he's done some really cool stuff this season. And me and Eric share the exact same taste in movies. So like being John Malkovich, number one, he did beat me in that being John Malkovich contest. However, I will say that in our first things, conversations with Alex, he goes, what movies have you seen? Have you done being John Malkovich yet? And we had to tell him, unfortunately. <laughs> yes, and he goes, well, what about Videodrome? And I went, yeah, that was the first one we did. So we have to find yeah. a, a movie that, that either Alex or I haven't seen, but uh, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome yeah. because Eric is dope and he's going to scare Alex. And it's going to be funny. So yeah, guys, that, that's something available to Patreons and to people involved with the Schmodown, people involved in just the, you know, just the the magic world of, of cool people on the internet. Mm -hmm. So uh, why don't you sign us off, Gracie? Say goodnight. Sign us off, Gracie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You have to say the thing. Oh, wear a mask. Oh, good night, Gracie. Say good night, Gracie. Wear a mask and say good night, Gracie. Okay, hold on. I also have to do this. Say good night.